Hello. Hello. Salam and good evening to you, worthy friend. Please, please, come closer. Uh, too close, a little too close. Welcome to another edition of the Disney Brit Radio Show. Uh, we are on our journey through the Disney parks, and you join me and Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing brilliant. I've got a new expensive microphone. I've got a full new setup. Which And you're using the new expensive microphone, aren't you? Um, no, I'm using the old one. <laughs> can't, get to work. can't get to work. Um, you're getting closer now to your trip, aren't you? It's um, approximately five weeks, two days. Oh, is it still that long? I didn't realise it was that long ago. Um, so yeah, these uh, these park overviews we're doing are helpful for you as well. And today we are concentrating on Disney's Hollywood Studios. And uh, we're not experts on Hollywood Studios by any shadow of an imagination. So we thought, just like we have with our other shows, we brought in an expert. So we say hello to Brent Dodge. How are you guys doing? Good, how are you? Pretty I'm cool. doing great. Now for those of you, uh, those people out there who don't know who you are, do you want to explain a little bit about uh, what you do um, with regards to your shows and your books and all those bits and pieces? Yeah, I've got, I've got two books out there. Uh, my first one is all about the animated film references found throughout Walt Disney World. And now the second series that I've been working on, which I've only got one out now, I've got another one that's going to be coming out in the next few months, uh, focuses on specific lands and we go into detail about everything the shops the restaurants uh the attractions the backstories the fun facts the history a little bit of everything and then also i've got my website from screen where we cover pretty much anything disney um from movies to theme parks to cruise lines to pretty much anything you can think of and i think as well you're a bit of a scavenger hunt uh man as well aren't you I am. They, they, Disney's done uh, official scavenger hunts put out by Disney, and I've actually won them. So. Yes, I remember seeing that you'd won the uh, that particular one. And I tell you now, having got a copy of the booklets uh, from that scavenger hunt, they were not easy. Really weren't easy. So we're in safe hands with Brent today. I'm not setting you up at all. Uh, but we're in safe hands with Brent today. This is going to be awful for me now. That's it now. We've, we've set it up and you've got to live up to expectation. No, it's fine. They usually listen to us, so they haven't really got much expectation, to be honest. <laughs> right, Hollywood Studios then. Uh, we want to talk to you about Hollywood Studios and uh, what is going to be open, what is going to be there if you're heading out there this summer. Um, what, what? Let's start off with you, Alan. In the grand scheme of Disney parks, where would you rank this for you for Walt Disney World? Ooh. Well, if I was going to do me top four, I think yeah. that's, that's probably the safest Yeah, pretty much top four, then. I would probably go Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, then Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I'm the same as you, but I think I would go Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios. Brent, what about you? Um, it, it usually goes between number three and number four. Okay. Depending on the day. 
depending on the day, depending on what's going on, all those bits and pieces. Yeah, lately with all the closings, it's been number four. So Yeah, I think we need to talk about that as well today. You know, um, if you are heading out there this summer, do be aware that although the park is great and they still have some fantastic attractions in there, Hollywood Studios is going under a huge makeover at the moment. There's a lot of the uh, park that's currently in transition to something that we're expecting to be really exciting and really new. And uh, you'll find You've that got to put your disclaimer in there, really. Oh, we, oh yeah, well, you know, we've got... It's gone over a major change that's not been announced and not been discussed about we've really. kind of got a rough idea of what's coming um but obviously nothing's been confirmed you know we're looking at an expansion of things like toy story midway mania the pixar area being expanded where there, there's talk of and again it's, it's still rumor at present that um star wars is going to have a massive impact on the park as well and also um we're expecting another name change at some point what exactly that name change is we really aren't sure at the moment but um, they are things that are kind of in the works at the moment. And I don't know whether you know any more than that, really, Brent, than we do. Uh, you know, not a whole lot. I've heard different things from people who have their inside sources. And every time I talk to the people, there's different things out there. Uh, I mainly hear about the Star Wars area. I've been hearing a lot about an expansion of Pixar Place with a bunch of the rides from um, Tokyo Disney. Hmm. So, or, or Hong Kong, I should say. Um so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's quite an exciting time at the moment. Um, and I think we'll probably talk a little bit before we start talking about the, the contents of the park, about how the park really came about and um, kind of what it used to be to what it's become. So we'll probably let's start there, really. Hollywood Studios then opened 1989. It was, it, I think it's, it's safe to say it was a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction by the uh, Disney company because uh, they'd already got the Magic Kingdom and they'd got all of these great attractions that were going on in all of the other uh, parks. But then all of a sudden um, they heard this news that um, this company called Universal were opening a, a studios park and uh, it was kind of Eisner's idea to try and almost beat them to their game and come up with a, a new exciting park that would um, would bring people to Disney rather than Universal. And the park as it exists today is very different to the way it started. It really was a behind the scenes park. We had the backstage tour which would take you on what was a pretty epic journey through sound stages, through back lots, uh, seeing a lot of props and sets and things like that. And the old backstage back lot tour that, that kind of died a death last year um was kind of remnant of that um and the park has kind of gone from what is really a behind the scenes working studio to something that was very reminiscent of a disney theme park today with your know, attractions and your shows based upon what we know as, as disney attractions and, and disney property and other property as well um i don't know if anyone wants to add any more to that before we go on um obviously oh. the, the Oh, sorry. The, um, I was going to say that the part of the thing that they used to do was they used to do actual filming there at the well, yeah. Disney's MGM Studios at the yes, time. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, at the time. One of the things you'd be able to do is sit behind the glass and watch them do the Disney... Was it the Disney Channel, Mickey Mouse Club? There was some stuff like that that happened, yeah. There was an awful lot of stuff, both Disney and exterior to Disney as well, that used to use the sound stages. Yeah. And what was really interesting was Disney got MGM to come on board to help yeah. fund the whole park. And they kind of had this, this big partnership going on. And what a lot of people don't know is at the start, Disney was actually using the lot as a as an actual working studio mm. on the East Coast. And they were 
were actually filming movies and TV shows and stuff for about six months before the uh, the park actually opened up to the public. That's right. And eventually, MGM got so upset with them, they said, "You guys have to open this up to the public, otherwise, we're you know taking out all the the funding we've been doing." Yeah, and that's kind of the point when it opened and and became what it was. So yeah. let's. Uh... Let's go in then, shall we? Let's go back to the entrance. Um, obviously, many ways of getting to the parks. Uh, for those of you who have not been, you can get on the Disney buses. Uh, they go from resorts and to Epcot as well. Uh, unlike um, many of the other resort, the hotels and um, the parks we talk about, there's not as many options to get to the uh, this particular park as there is things like the Magic Kingdom with your monorails. So you can, of course, get the buses, say, from Disney Resorts and from Epcot. You've got a walkway, which you can get, which takes you all the way from the Epcot Resorts and, if you really want to, Epcot itself. And there's also boats, which go to Epcot Resorts, Epcot, those sort of areas. So three different ways of getting into the park. Yeah. Um, and and that's your own I will, car. I will say that it is actually quite a nice walk, all the way from is it the boardwalk. Yeah, you it is. Yeah, you can get to that, to that direction. It is a um, I've, walk. I've done it a couple of times, and because there's obviously an expanse of water, you do tend to get a, a flurry of ducks around. <laughs> of course, <laughs> those Disney ducks, and they're real ones. We just like to point out because I'm fake and, Disney. Ducks. Well, one of the things that you, you you don't really expect, right? You, you spend all your money to go to Walt Disney World, and you you pay a hundred dollars a day, whatever it is, to get into the theme park. And the kids are more fascinated by the ducks before they get in there. So there we go. Have you not had that? Uh, no. Well, to be honest, we've not. I've not really stayed in the Epcot area, and I don't. I've not really walked it many times, so I don't really have a very clear recollection. What's your Brent? Your favourite way of arriving at the resort? Um, you know, I, I always like parking over by the boardwalk and doing the walkover. Yeah. Um, actually, whenever I do, I I do a lot of the run Disney races, and I'll. Let actually use that little path there as a, a training area to do my runs um it's a nice little path it's relaxing yeah it definitely um, is i was, I was going to add something else there um i was reading a, a topic on facebook the other day and it was referenced to um floridian wildlife have you ever seen anything along that path that may make you want to avoid the path no you know what? i've never i've never seen any gators or anything over that way before that's good to know. <laughs> You're safe <laughs> from gators on that path. Yeah. So um, let's start off with the entrance then and make our way into the park. And we first arrive, uh, we walk down Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, the idea of Hollywood Boulevard, of course, is to give us that nostalgic feeling of Hollywood in the early sort of 30s. And they have this long sweeping walkway. It's very much like um, your Main Street um, and like your, you've got your Discovery Island of uh, Animal Kingdom. This gives us um, a lot of shopping and there's some dining opportunities there as well. I must admit, I think it's one of my favourite entrances to a Disney park. I, you know, as much as I like Main Street and I love the castle... Being a big movie fan myself, this idea of this 1930s Hollywood for me, I, I kind of gives it a very grand feel. Yeah, there is something fantastic about this sort of entranceway. Um, all the ridiculously tall um, palm trees that line the street as well. It really adds something special to it. And also, Disney have got this magical uh, soundtrack that they play, which has got some of the, the classic movie tunes that you recognise yeah. um, from The Magnificent Seven, etc., and it really gets you into the right sort of spirit for entering the theme park. Yeah, it definitely does. Mm -hmm. what, one of the things that I've always liked about the uh, go, going down Hollywood Boulevard here is it, it's actually a timeline throughout Hollywood. Yes, so it is. when you first start off, it's in the 20s, and then as you go further and further 
towards I was going to say the Sorcerer's app, but that's not there anywhere. Towards the uh, <laughs> the Chinese theater, um, it's you're, you're actually heading into the 1950s. Mm. So it, all the style of buildings that you're going past is just this giant timeline going through the street. And I think we have to mention uh, the Sorcerer's Hat because it is, you know, the elephant in the room. That has now finally disappeared. Uh, it's taken them forever to deconstruct this Sorcerer's Hat. But it means now that I suppose the, the weenie at, at the end of, of Hollywood Boulevard is um, Grumman's Chinese theatre. Uh, Brett, have you had a chance to go back into the park now since the, the hat has completely gone? Yes, I have. I mean, the, the walls are actually still up around where the hat was. Right. Um it's a weird feeling it, it's kind of like going back in time if you were there before the hat was like yes. i was um it, it is like traveling back into the 1990s and you know seeing the hat or the not the hat the, the park as it originally was and it, it's a weird feeling it's a cool feeling i do kind of miss the hat but at the same time it's nice having that original viewpoint again yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that again because i remember as a it's kind of going back to that childhood thing, as you say, seeing the the theatre at the end and that always being there. Um, it, it kind of it's going to be great to see that again. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm noticing on the park map, yeah, is they've actually stuck a camera there now on the park map. So it's a photo opportunity for you. Well, the fact that the, the hat's not there. No, that's true. So the, there's a photo opportunity for for no hat. Is what you're basically saying. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's uh, talk about attractions that are classed as part of Hollywood Boulevard. And really, it brings us to one and one only, and that is the area that we're currently talking about. And that is the Great Movie Ride. And uh, the Great Movie Ride, again, is under a little bit of transition with TCM coming in as part of the attraction. I don't believe that's quite happened yet, but I know it's fairly imminent that that's going to be happening. Am I right thinking that, Brent? Yeah, it, it, it's slowly starting to come in. They're starting to make some of the changes, but not everything is completed yet. I believe they've recently changed the large pre-show screen. Uh, that's just gone digital, I believe. Yes, yeah. and then they've also had it. So the um, the waiting area actually has different props, and they're provided by um, Turner Classic Movies. Okay, brilliant. So we've had the change in the pre-show. So let's talk about the outside. Oh, go on, Alan. You want to so say you can also tell that they've had a little bit of funding because they've repainted the roof of the building as well. All right, there you go. Then. Well, it is going to be kind of the icon, so to speak. Um, although I think we we had a, a sort of discussion about this a few episodes ago, didn't we, Alan? About yeah. what actually is the icon for Hollywood Studios? What, what does Brent reckon the icon icon should be? I I, I would like to go back to the Earful Tower. Yes. Oh, okay. that was mine. It was. No, that's fine. <laughs> I kind I've of always like the Earful Tower. Yeah, I, I think it should go back to that. That would be good if it did. It'd be nice to see that. You know, I think you know they're using Tower of Terror at present, and we'll see what happens with that because of the My Disney Experience app. Anyway, back to the Chinese theatre. So, um, before you go in, I think one of the really neat things to see, um, if, as you come up to the uh, area, on the left-hand side, there's kind of a big area on the floor. What Disney used to do is they used to kind of have the star of the day that used to come every now and again. It was uh, some sort of Hollywood celebrity that would visit, and they would create um, hand casts and feet casts and all sorts of things like that with regards to... Um, uh, signing their name and then putting those casts in and Disney would have these um, laid into the ground and this is something that's really worth seeing I think and the reason it's worth seeing is because there's a lot of very famous celebrities in there of past and present um, I've spent a long time outside here 
just looking at all of the different handprints and some of the different people there are. Um, now, I believe, and I don't know whether you'll be able to remember, Brent, there's one which one of the celebrities misspelt their name, and I can't remember for the life of me who it is. It, it, it's Charlton Heston. That's the one. Yeah, so he when he was doing his uh, his name, he was he did a C-H-A-R-L, and then someone yelled out, you know, Mr. Heston, he crossed the L as the T and then O-N, so he's missing the L in his name. There we go. Hmm. Charlton. Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's loads of you know, Charlton Heston there, and Michael Jackson is in there. Um, is Jim Henson in there as well? Jim, Jim Henson's Henson in there, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tim... Uh, Johnny Depp, is he in there? Uh, Johnny Depp, I know he's not. No, he's not. We could um, you got people like... Uh, you've got a lot of the different characters in there, too. you got uh, Roger Rabbit, the Rocketeer, right. uh, Mickey and Donald and Minnie and Goofy. Um Lord. Harrison Ford, I believe, is in there. George, yes. George Lucas. Um, Judy Garland, a little bit. Or not Judy Garland, but they got the, the glass slipper or the ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz is in there. That's right, yeah. There's, well, there's a huge amount. Oh, honestly, you could be there for... This is like doing Family Feud, isn't it? How many people? I have a hundred <laughs> um, it's, there's, there's loads of them um, that you can go and do. Do take a lot of time looking at these because these aren't just Disney creating something and pretending they're their actual, they're the hands. They are the actual hands of these celebrities, and um, it's well worth going and having a look. And a lot of people will quite often miss it um, and uh, and not spend some time looking at. It. So do do go and do that. The attraction itself, though, uh, is the idea is it's a ride through the history of Hollywood. So some of the most famous movies ever made during Hollywood. It's uh, about 22, 23 minute attraction. Before you go in though, obviously there was the pre-show area. Brent was just talking about how uh, Turner Classic Movies are now providing some of the props for the pre-show area that you can go around and look at. What's what's currently in there at the minute, Brent? Um, I believe they've got the dress from Gone with the Wind. Um, I think they've got some Who Framed Roger Rabbit stuff in there if I remember. Um, I can't think of the other ones. I've been using FastPass a lot for that lately. Right. So you just kind of, you know, I, I have not had a chance to look at some of the stuff that's off in the one corner. Um, but I, I, I remember seeing the, the Gone with the Wind dress along with the Who Framed Roger Rabbit stuff. And I'm, mm -hmm. I I can't think what the other two displays were. And also, taking into account that these the idea is these, these won't be static. So when you go, it might be that they've actually got something different in there. Uh, to what we're talking about now. Yeah. Um, um, just, just, just going back to um, Brent saying FastPass. Yes. Am I right in thinking that FastPass wasn't previously on this attraction? Yeah, there, there was no FastPass until um, the FastPass Plus came into. Yeah. Okay, so obviously that's that's a new addition since the FastPass Plus came in, mm -hmm. and interesting the fact that you you skim through a lot of the the pre-show. Is that right? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny because since they added the Fast Pass Plus, I feel like the regular line's a whole lot longer than it used to be. I think it is, yeah. I think it's, it's definitely extended it. Yeah. Um, I, I always I, used to find that there was never a queue for the great movie ride. It was always yeah, fairly yeah. limited, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I kind of always feel like since they've added this whole Fast Pass Plus thing, it kind of gives the people who don't usually go to the parks an idea that this ride's popular and this ride's popular because these have Fast Pass Plus. So I think yeah. it's kind of actually, you know, brought more people to the great movie ride because in their mind, it's a Fast Pass Plus ride. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, yeah, that makes pretty sense. Um, and, and to be it, fair, everything in Hollywood Studios is pretty much a Fast Pass Plus. 
in terms <laughs> yes. of attraction. It is. It's certainly some of the ones we'll come to a little bit later on. Um, so this attraction, then, we've, t- we've talked about the pre-show. Uh, obviously, those attractions then go into a larger theatre, which has a digital film now, which which kind of goes over a lot of um, old movies, kind of trailer style. And then you finally get into the attraction itself. Uh, and the idea is you sit in a carriage with, I think it's somewhere around 40 or 50 other people, and you have a guide who is at the front. And that guide then takes us through the history of film and, and the Hollywood's different types of, and genres of film and that sort of stuff. Um, I'm intrigued to know kind of what our opinions are on this uh, now because it's not changed for some time. Um, yeah. What's got your opinion on this now? The, the attraction itself, fair enough, it is, is dealing with the history of film and it starts off with, I can't remember if it's, is the Tim, was it Betty Berkeley films? Or it's, it's basically... Uh, Buzz uh, Berkeley. Footlight Parade, yeah, Busby, yeah. Busby Berkeley Footlight Parade, and and synchronized swimming style shows, which I never really understood as a film. But all of a sudden, when people are in this film, they do a big dance routine and end up swimming. I, I don't get it. It's, it's those kind of Hollywood uh, <laughs> musicals, isn't it? You know, where anything could happen. And that's basically the idea. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think you've, you've you've got to pay reference to it, but it, it's in terms of as a big scene. I think it's it's a scene that should sort of get skim past now maybe it's it's something that should be referenced in the pre-show i think then make it main part of the the attraction we we've got to remember that this attraction hasn't on a a large scale been updated really since it first opened in the 80s um so we've got a lot of attractions you've got a lot of films that were obviously very popular back then and were well known and we've now got large scenes in the attraction such as as alien um indiana jones is in there as well which you know don't argue are not uh, worthy elements to the attraction. You've also got um, kind of your Western element in there as well and your gangster element. So it does take in specific attractions and specific um, films, sorry, and genres. Um, The problem is, obviously, Alien has a massive section. And Alien actually actually had a film out for a little while. Um, Tarzan has a huge room. Um, and they've not made a Tarzan film since obviously the Disney one in the 90s, but it doesn't even reference that. It references the one from early days. I think it, it's about, it needs that update now. It needs something doing to it in order for that to happen. Even the the post-show film right at the very, very end was quite outdated, and I know that's in the process of, of, of being updated, but um, it, it for me, it's a good attraction. I will still do it every time I go. I still enjoy it a lot, but it, it's at that, that point now where I think it needs that update to bring it, into the 21st century. What do you think your best bit of the attraction is? Which is your best scene? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I've always liked the gangster scene in there. Yeah. It's yeah, probably, the it's, gangster it's, scene's quite cool. But I also I, really I think like... There's, just, there's so much detail in that room. There is. The detail... That, you know, we can't take away the amount of detail there is in this attraction. Uh, there's a huge amount. The, the, the detail there is in the gangster room, you know, how detailed the Wizard of Oz scene is is amazing the the quality yeah. of it and actually that's probably my favorite bit it's got to be the wicked witch of the west in that um wizard of oz scene because the fluidity of that um animatronic bearing in mind how old it was when it was made is astounding yeah it, it was quite realistic i'll be honest with the first time i saw it and um, you weren't expecting it and you could quite believe that it was actually someone dressed up there Mm-hmm. It just appears so smoothly as well, or it did anyway. What's your favorite scene, Brent? You, um, I, you know, I've always liked the gangster scene mainly due to the fact that there's 
there's all these hidden references in there to like old gangster films, and there's hidden Mickey's in there, and that that's one of the things that most people don't they, they go into the great movie ride, and they kind of go through it thinking, you know, it, it's it's a nice ride, but it, like you were saying, it's outdated. But yeah. there's I believe there's 14 hidden Mickey's found throughout the attraction, and there there's um, like in the gangster scene, there's the one the car that comes out and starts shooting at you. Um, the yep. license plate there is zero or I'm sorry, 021427, which is the, the date of the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different little, you know, nods to different things that happen in that genre of film or in real life, yeah. um, which, which I, I really appreciate for the, attra- or for the entire attraction. But overall, I, I do think the attraction is outdated. I think it needs a, a lot of love. And talking about hidden things to find, to look out for, have a really good look at the hieroglyphics in the Indiana Jones scene. Um, because you'll find some hidden Disney characters within those hieroglyphics if you look really, really carefully. And I think that's quite, like you say, quite a nice, neat touch to have those little bits and pieces in there without showing yeah. that. It's, um, there's also a hidden R two D. Oh, there is. Go for it. Yes, yes, there is. That R two D two and C three P are both hidden in there as well. Yes, they are. Yeah, that's right. Um, all I was going to say is this is an alternative scene as well in this attraction for the gangster film scene, um, which is a Western bank shootout. I can't remember the last time I saw this. Every single time I've been on it recently, I've ended up in the gangster scene. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've only ever been on it once, and I think for me that's that would be my favourite scene, only because there's explosives, there's fire... It just seems a bit more thrilling than the the gangster scene, but at the same time, you don't get to see it that often because I dare say it's down to capacity. If if there isn't the the throughput of traffic, they're not going to bring out the two scenes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, but I do I do like that that scene when I get a chance to see it, which is very rare. Okay, so that's a great movie ride. Then we'll leave that behind and let's talk about what else we can find on Hollywood Boulevard. We've got two restaurants um, on Hollywood Boulevard now. You've got the well restaurants eateries uh the trolley car cafe which is now a starbucks and you've got the hollywood brown derby uh which is or derby as we call it um they're the two locations you've got there they say the the trolley cafe is very much what you would come to expect from a disney come starbucks very much like the sort of stuff you would get in things like the main street bakery um and then hollywood brown derby is one place i've never eaten i must admit so i I don't really know a lot about uh food I've never been there either. You know, this is actually the only restaurant in Hollywood Studios that I've not eaten at. <laughs> We're not doing very well here, are we? <laughs> um, why, why, why do you think that you've not eaten there? Well, go for it. No, why, why have you not eaten there yet, Brent? Uh, um, you know, I, I just I, I have a few friends who've had bad experiences there. Um, but it's ironic because throughout the entire restaurant, it, it kills me because every time I walk by, in all the iron grates. Um, there's the initials BD for Brown Derby, and those are my initials. And I always think, I want to steal one of those someday. <laughs> but I've never actually eaten at this restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's one that I always look at the menu for, and, and, and again, like you say, read the reviews, and the reviews are not glowing a lot of the time, and it's one of the places I miss. Yeah. And I know that one of the things you can do is there's a, what they call the lounge, which is outside area of the Brown Derby now. And Apparently, you can get a lot of the things that are on the main menu, but served outside, and it is cheaper. Mm-hmm. That's true. Which is a good little top tip there. Mm. But um, 
you know, I, th- I think if, if I was booking a restaurant in Hollywood Studios, there's a lot more exciting places that you could go. Well, there are there are some great places, and I think we'll come to those as we go around. But um, I, th- I think actually one one thing you can do at the the Brown Derby, which um, some of the Brent might actually be interested in, is that you can dine with an Imagineer. I, this yes. is one of those things I'd love to do. Um, I think it's about sixty dollars, probably plus plus tip. Um, although I've not, I don't really understand exactly what the the experience is. Whether it's just you eating your dinner next to someone who's eating their dinner, and you <laughs> pestering them with questions. So what's happening with Avatar? Well, I can't tell you that. So I'm going to eat my soup now. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty certain it's a bit more than that. Um, I don't understand the the exact concept, but I would guess you know it's that opportunity to talk to Imagineers about the work that they do and how, and they all have the opportunity to talk to you about how they create attractions and, and all those sort of bits and pieces. I'm pretty certain they probably from the outlay will say we cannot talk about anything that doesn't already exist in the park or has already been announced. Yeah. <laughs> or includes the words Avatar <laughs> or Star Wars or Pixar <laughs> expansion or any of those yep. things. Um, they're your restaurants. Let's just talk quickly about our. Um, the retail outlets that there are on Hollywood Boulevard. You've got Oscar's Super Service, which is a place you can pick up your packages later on in the day. You've got Mickey's of Hollywood, which is very much character stuff and park souvenirs. Uh, Adrian and Edith's Head to Toe, which sells your hats, towels, all those sort of things and your engravings. And you've got Keystone Clothiers, which uh, has your men's and women's fashion, those sort of bits and pieces. I've got to admit now, and I've got to say now, I do miss Sid Karangas. Yes. It was, I love it was a special it. shop. It was a great shop. I don't think they probably ever sold anything out of it, to be honest. But it had just such amazing like knickknacks and individual one-offs. Um, there was some great... Just to go in there and have a look, there was some great stuff that was in there. Um, yeah, was, and um, there, used, there used to be like a little a quiz that you could do, I, I think. I was just about to say there was a quiz, wasn't there? And it was, was it sort of six or eight questions, something like that, and, they, and you had to try and get right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they also had a, a, a kid's quiz, which was all Disney questions, too. Right. So you had the adult one was all movies, and then the other one was just all children's ones. I must admit, I, I did struggle with the adult ones a little bit. The kids' ones, I was fine with. You could do them, but the adult ones, I found quite difficult at times. Well, that's Hollywood yeah. Boulevard. Where are we going next? What do you fancy? Um, let's, let's go... Should we go to Echo Lake? Oh, that, damn, this is one thing that we didn't mention, actually, and I want to mention because Echo Lake's just reminded me that Echo Lake isn't just a lake. Echo Lake is also an ear. Um, yes. Of a partial large hidden Mickey. Um, part of it kind of disappeared with the, the development of Animation Courtyard, that sort of area. But actually, if you look really carefully and you come up to where Hollywood, top of Hollywood Boulevard, you'll find, and if you look, Echo Lake is one ear. And the larger circle in the center is actually Mickey's face. And there used to be another ear under where part of Animation Courtyard is. And that used to make one giant hidden Mickey in the middle of the it, park. It used to be painted on the roof of the building as well. I believe so. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it was amazing. Yeah. Massive hidden Mickey. Um, well, that's something to check out on so Google, you can still Google Maps. Check that out as you're looking. Yeah, and de- definitely look at Google Maps. But also, you can you can kind of start to make it out as you're in the park as well. But let's have a look around Echo Lake then. We've got two attractions that are classed as part of Echo Lake. We've got Indiana Jones Epic Stunts Spectacular, and we've got Star Tours at the Adventure Continues. So let's start off with Indiana Jones then. Um, an attraction, again, that's been in the park for a good number of years. It's a stunt show that lasts around, I think it's 30, 35 minutes-ish. And um, it takes us uh, through 
the way that they create stunts as part of big epic you know kind of blockbuster action movies obviously using the guise of indiana jones they uh, create a series of famous scenes from the movies in order to get across how they do it including how indy doesn't get injured by a giant rolling boulder um has anybody ever been volunteered to take part in this yes i i've been in the show probably close to 30 times wow okay i've done it once and i thought that was that was a good going but 30 times is pretty impressive you know it's one of those things after you if you go in once i i feel like i can't watch that show without being in the show it's so much more fun when you're out there running around like crazy than sitting in the audience in my opinion now that's interesting you say that because i was completely the opposite because i felt being in the show i then missed out so much of the show that it was kind of it was a bit of a disappointment because you obviously missed really? the whole the whole of the first scene you miss because you're getting prepared to uh, to put on all your clothing and things like that and then obviously you do the second scene and then you have to go off and get changed and by the time you come back you kind of just start in the final scene so actually I missed the majority of the show um, I think if you Brent you obviously go quite regularly. But for those of us from the UK who don't get to go that often, if you've not seen this show before, don't volunteer because you still won't get to see much of the show. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, the first time you ever do it, make sure you watch the show first. Yeah, don't volunteer definitely. the first time. Yeah, that show. We, we were kind of accidentally volunteered because we were sat in the, it was on our honeymoon. We were sat in the audience and um, they said, is anybody here on their honeymoon? And my wife, without even thinking about it, went, yeah, we are stood up. And they went, oh, great, you can come and be in the show. And she didn't even, she's not the sort of person who gets herself up to do that sort of stuff. Suddenly realised she's volunteered us to be in the show by pure accident. Excellent. Um, so that's how we ended up in the show. But it was good. It was a good experience. Yeah, the other thing is, you, you, I'm, I'm guessing that you you feel compelled to act in, in the show. Oh, yeah. Instead yeah, yeah. of just stand and watch the action that's going on around you. No, you're given, you know, your particular direction and what you need to do and when you need to do it and when you need to move because you know you are still in the middle of what is a live action set and there are things going on around you and people hitting each other and swords and all that sort of stuff so you know you there is an element a very minor but there is still an element of danger being involved in the show do you get any souvenir for doing it no glory yes the glory of having performed <laughs> in front of several thousand people that's pretty much what you get um, I would like to imagine that they would do like a, a cut together video that you could buy at the end. Yeah. Oh, so they can make some money is what you mean. Yeah. Okay. That would be smart. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but it's a good show. It's worth seeing, especially if you haven't seen it before. But even though I have seen it, I still enjoy it. Um, it's. Would I miss it if it disappeared? Poss- probably not because I've seen it that many times. But it's still a great show and it's still well worth you going to see and certainly if you've never been it's it's a must do there's no way you can miss it and one of the things i'm going to point out is that sometimes you get to see it before you even enter the park because yeah. if you look across to the left hand side of the yes. entrance way yeah. you can see some of the sets um behind some trees and if there's any explosions or fireworks going off yeah they sort of spill over the area and you can you can totally see it it looks quite exciting now talking we were talking earlier with uh, great movie ride about um hidden things to look for there's stuff in the queue as well here uh that you need to look for if you find a well and it's got a rope and it says do not pull don't listen to it give it a go and see what happens i'm not going to say any more than that i don't really want to say any more than that but do give it a go and see what happens uh because it's uh well worth uh well worth doing with well, well worth well worth doing, definitely. Right, uh, I think we need to move on to this. 
Oh, I've broken it. Now, now I'm just going to set it all up. This. Let's play that. It's Star Tours. <laughs> Star Tours Good. Flight 1119, non-stop service to Endor, is now ready for boarding at gate number one. Okay, so uh, we know that's the old Star Tours, but Star Tours, the journey continues, <laughs> is um, the next generation of uh, the Star Wars attraction. It was built... Um, with the original kind of movies in mind before episode one, two, and three came out, and it was uh, basically a motion simulator using m- pretty much military gauge simulators. And Disney then uh, decided with the development of the the Star Wars universe, and obviously the continuation of that with the new movies that are coming out, they had to update it. And you can now ride Star Tours: The Adventure Continues multiple times and get a completely different experience each time. It's now in three D, and uh, well, just someone else want to kind of explain. Brent, do you want to explain kind of how this attraction now works? Yeah, so there's there's the um, w- when you go in there, there's various scenes that can happen. So you you might get the same scene twice, multiple times in a row. Um, but there's two different start scenes. One of them has Darth Vader. The other one you're following the Millennium Falcon. And then you go out into hyperspace, and you can end up at one of three planets. One's uh, Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet. Um, Hoth, the snow planet, and then the other one was is uh, Tatooine, where you go on a pod race, and then you go back into space, and you can see one of three hol- holograms. So you can have uh, Darth, or not Darth Vader, uh, Yoda, Admiral Ackbar, or Princess Leia, and then you eventually go to a last planet, which is either Naboo, the Death Star, or uh, Coruscant. So every single time you go in there, it's going to be a combination of those four different sections yeah um but you never really know what you're gonna get there's no plan um there's there's no way the cast member can be like taking requests from you um it's all completely random yeah it's really cool how they do it it's amazing that that they're able to do this and the attraction doesn't suffer uh, you know you got to take into consideration here that they're splicing all of these bits together as it happens um so the fact that they can do it so seamlessly and so brilliantly is, is great. I can highly recommend this as a great way to fill an extra magic hour. Um, I did, uh, oh, I, can't, I think it was about 10pm to 12pm, where I pretty much rode Star Tours back to back, just to see how many of the different combinations I could get to experience. Turns out I made a friend, I've forgotten his name now, but he was doing exactly the same thing. We basically ended up going around this thing together. Um it's amazing honestly amazing and if you've got children who maybe aren't as uh, great on those bigger thrill rides this might be a good one for them to go th- for i don't know about you guys but i think this actually isn't as rough as the original star tours was i think it's it's a much smoother ride and actually isn't as quite as jolty as the yeah, original was. I, I think you're right um yeah, totally mentioned on it and uh, she preferred it yeah but it's well worth doing at Harry say it wasn't a massive thrill ride from when we went. I went and did Star Tours, goodness knows how many times on my own, because everyone else was like, we don't want to go, we're not bothered. And we went to the park, he rode it once and he wanted to go again uh, because he enjoyed it so much. So, you know, it's one that you want to probably consider with, with children who might be a little bit scared of things, but um, are, are right to do something a little bit braver. And this is definitely one of those things to do. Um, and also what I'm going to say is that anyone who knows me, it's it just totally builds on my fascination of Star Wars and how much I love it. You're going to go on this ride again and go, I still don't understand what's going on because I yeah. don't watch Star Tours or Star Wars. I've got to say, I love the ride. Can't stand the films. You haven't got a, you've got a clue what's going on now, have you? At yeah. all. 
And that, that brings us on to something else in a minute, anyway. Well, let's talk about um, shops. Because this links okay. into our Star Tours, and that's Tattoo and Traders, um, which is the only store you'll find within Echo, Echo Lake. And it is full of Star Wars merchandise. You can build your own droid. You can build your own lightsaber. The amount of times I've been tempted to build my own lightsaber, and, but I, I have a funny feeling my wife may leave me if I spend that much money <laughs> on a lightsaber. But um, I'm sure she said, please build one. <laughs> You might be right, you probably <laughs> did. But they've got some amazing stuff in here, and there are some fantastic Star Wars t-shirts that um, I love in here. Um, do, do, do you want to hear something really... My favorite little tidbit about the store. Yeah, yeah. Um, it comes... The, the outside says Tatooine Traders, and then underneath it, it says Tatooine Traders in the... I, I can't think of the name of the, the language, but the yeah. Star Wars language. Yeah. And um, when the store first opened up, a lot of like the huge Star Wars nerds, I'm a Star Wars nerd, but I'm not this intense. Um, they were livid because in episode one, they point out that the Imperial language, which is what's written underneath, isn't in Tatooine. And all these people are writing to, you know, uh, Disney and the Imagineers and Lucasfilm saying that, you know, Disney messed up because they have it so it says tattooing traders in english and the imperial language so how dare they they've messed up blah blah yeah. blah and disney just said eh, whatever it looks nice yeah <laughs> i should have wrote in chewbacca's chewbacca's you've just made that up haven't you one of the things I <laughs> no, really, no no it's from episode two one of the things to look out for in tattooing traders as well and one of the things i like about this and it's that nod to the working studio idea is look at some of the walls that they've put in there they've actually put on the back of them that they they are walls from what would be a movie set um and you don't get this all the way through the park you know things like we've talked about great movie ride and um you indiana jones have you know it looks like it's supposed to but what they've cleverly done with some of the tattooing traders area is made it look like you've just walked out of a set of star wars which i think is a very clever touch a very simple touch yeah and, and a lot of the um the build-up towards um star tours is you once you turn around to see the back of the the giant trees you can see that they're they're not trees yeah yeah, um, it is the element of just the camera. What the camera sees is what they build. Dead right. Yeah, and it, it, it's that very clever idea of this is a movie set and we're taking you inside the world of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about food because um, there's a lot of food going on, and in fact, some of my favourite food is available inside Echo Lake. We'll start at Hollywood and Vine, which is a family buffet. Uh, they have a kids. It's a kids character buffet. At the minute, it's called Disney Junior Play and Dine. I'm guessing none of us have eaten here. Not yet. I no, I've only eaten. I, I even with the the dinner, never the play and dine. No, I, we've never done play and dine. I think it was kind of how it was a little bit talk for it by the time. Do you know which out. characters are there? Um, it's it was at one point the little Einsteins, and oh, now you're asking a really good question. I want to say, did they put? Doc McStuffin or yep. yeah, they've got Doc, Doc McStuffin, Handy Manny, um, um, and Princess Sophia the First, is it? Yes, Sophia the First. I think so, and Jake and the Neverland Pirates, right? So Jake, or just Jake, Jake, yes. Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Um, so obviously, if you've got children who love 
Playhouse Disney and and well, what was Playhouse Disney now Disney Junior? Then uh, this is definitely one for them to go and uh, and enjoy without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, we've got the Tune In Lounge, which is the bar area linked to one of my favourite restaurants in the whole of Hollywood Studios, and that's Fifty's Prime Time Cafe. Have we all eaten in Fifty Prime Time Cafe? Yeah. Yes. This is also home to what has become one of the favourite meals in our household uh, that we actually make at home now, which is mum's meatloaf. Um, there's a long history behind mum's meatloaf, <laughs> really. But it's one of the things that we make a lot at home using that Disney recipe because it's great. But the idea is it's set in the 1950s. You will go and eat in this restaurant and you will be served by quite often mum sometimes it could be uncle or dad or etc and you're fed as if you are part of the family and mum is, is feeding you and one of the things i love about this and we talk about disney theming and it happening in a lot of restaurants that, that do this is that mum really plays the role of mum you know she doesn't just come up and she takes your order and talks to you and you get the disney service as you expect but you know yeah. she'll tell you off for having your elbows on the table she'll tell you off for not finishing your vegetables and all these bits and pieces one it, of the things that's... Go on, Brent. I was gonna. Um, the one time I was there, my friend started texting his other friend, and yeah. our our waiter came up and hit our our uncle, right. and he, he he took the phone he brought into the back, <laughs> and he said, <laughs> "Nope." He said, "You don't get this back until after you're done with your food." <laughs> yeah, I love, and so I love that. The, the rest of us at the table started calling the cell phone, so it would keep on ringing in the guy's pocket. Right, <laughs> 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 It's just a sort yeah. of, you know, that they can they can do that because it fits within the theme, you know, and I, I love that idea that this is not just a meal, it's an experience. And one of the things that I was going to say is, in reference to the, the fact that it's, obviously it's the film studios, yeah. is that some something says to me that if you look up towards the ceiling, there's no ceiling as such. Everything's hung down as though it's a film, like TV set. Yeah, yeah they got you, different, you um, like, Hollywood lighting up there. That's right. Yeah. So it's um. So yeah, and also there's like little TVs and just just loads of retro stuff that really sets the scene. I'm, I'm actually I'm going to say something else about the tune-in lounge. Go on. You can get some of the items from the main menu in the tune-in lounge. You can, yeah. And can I just say one more thing? And I have to because this was one of the things I loved the most: the fact that um, you can get dessert. They don't give you a menu for dessert. I hope they haven't changed this since I sat there. They give you an old Viewmaster, which is those red things that used to look through and flick, and it used to bring up an image. And your menu for dessert is on a Viewmaster. Please say it's there. Last time I was there, it was still there. Oh, thank goodness for that. It's well worth doing. Yeah. Getting just, I, even I if you don't want dessert, get rid just of get a Viewmaster. I don't see how they could get rid of it. It would be brilliant. It's because of the um, it's, there's too much passive conjunctivitis getting pushed on the eye. <laughs> No, that's definitely not <laughs> happening. It's fine. Um, so that's your uh, that's fifties prime time. You got Men in Bill's Dockside Diner, which just sandwiches, and they do they say here a gourmet macaroni and cheese. Really, mm. gourmet? Well, do, do you know I, the story about Men in Bill? Mac cheese. <laughs> the, yeah, there's a story behind the Men in, Men in Bill, isn't there? Um, yeah, I'll be Men honest. Men in Bill is based off the film from the 1930s. Yes. And apparently, I went on a tour with um, oh, what's it called, Jim Corcus. He did, yes, sir. And he was telling us that the guy who played Bill was an alcoholic, and there's some references to his his liquor, I don't intake, on the um, 
on the boat. Actually, there's a boat called the SS Down the Hatch. I believe it is. Yes. So that, that's one of the references. So maybe the gourmet gourmet macaroni cheese references to the alcoholness, because um, I think when you're, you're wasted, macaroni and cheese could be quite gourmet. <laughs> so is, that, <laughs> is that the theory that you're going for? Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> Okay, Makes sense um, that's that's fine. That's what we'll go with. Not a problem. Okay, so you got that. You got the Oasis Canteen, which is a basically really a, a, just a small hut, uh, which is by I believe right next to Indiana Jones, um, yes. or close to Indiana Jones, and they do kind of your your funnel cakes and your ice creams, those sort of things. There's um, we then head round to um, uh, the other side. It's sort of this is smack bang in the middle of uh, Indiana Jones and. Um, Star Tours, and that's the Backlot Express, and this is uh, one of the quick service uh, areas that does your burgers and your salads and your sandwiches and your nuggets and all that sort of stuff. I'm trying to think if I've ever eaten in the Backlot Express. I've just got a funny feeling in my head that every time I go to Hollywood Studios, I will always have a table service meal, and I can't work out whether I've ever eaten here. I don't it's, think it's I It's a real nice little atmosphere. Um, the, the one room is kind of it's all centered around the stunt devils. So when you go in there, there's different, you know, notes for the stunt devils in yeah. there. And um, there's like gliders and stuff. And then there's a prop room. And then there's another room that's the, the art and paint department. So when you go in there, there's all these paint cans and these mannequins that haven't been painted. It's it's actually really interesting just to walk through there. The food's not the greatest, but it, it's it's a cool place to just kind of explore. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to say that I have been in here briefly but I don't think I've ever really taken much notice of what's in there when I've been in I, I get confused because we've in Disneyland Paris we have the Batlock Express which is half yeah. half Pirates of the Caribbean half now Iron Man um, which is obviously a completely different theme to that, that particular one right should we head around then uh, it, 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 blend. what I was going to say also is that um, round by Tywin Traders yeah um, this is the thing that Jim Cook has picked out and told me. Um, as you're passing from Echo Lake area into, where's the next one? Streets of Street America? America. yeah. There is a, a definite colour change in pavement. Yes. Do you know what? There now, is, and I've not really thought about that. Yeah. Right. Brent, a... do, you, do you know the reason for that? Um, well, they used to also have the security booth was over there too. And the, with the color pavement and the security booth, the the original transition that was going from one area to another was when you were at places like Indiana Jones and Great Movie Ride and stuff, you were on the part of the working set that only the cameras would see. And then yeah. once you passed that security booth and once you got past that, the, the ground change, um, you were going back into the actual working area of the set. So that's when you start seeing the different lighting and the different backsides of the sets and etc. Yeah, and um, other, other things to, to point out is um, foliage and plants that are growing. Um, there was, I can't remember which side of the the line it was, but one side used to have a, a wild variety of plants um, of all sorts of different ones where they would be sort of growing the plants to put out onto stage so that they, they've got sort of Different examples of um, foliage for different sorts of setups. Mm-hmm. A little bit of interest in back here. Well, let's head down to Streets of America then, and uh, the first bit we come to is uh, Muppet Vision 3D. 
Now, this is a obviously a 3D show. I say 3D show. It's almost a little bit 4D in a way. Um, it's about 25-minute show, and the idea is you are entering the world of the Muppets, and you're going into what is a recreation of the Muppet Theatre in order to watch uh, this great technology that Muppets have invented called 3D Vision. Um, and it takes you through the world of Kermit and all of his friends as they... Um, demonstrate through the cheesiest corniest way how 3d works um now i'm right in thinking that this was the last time jim henson directed a muppet sort of movie or short before That's his death correct. so it's quite yeah, a, the last time he performed as kermit as well right so it's it's quite a you know a, obviously a poignant thing this this particular attraction and and something that within those fans of, of muppets it's quite a big kind of um show and i love again we go back to and we keep going back to these hidden gems and hidden things that you find within it one i i will quite often try and arrive at muppet vision very early and there i've been known before now to actually stay in the pre-show area um and not go into the attraction straight away and wait for the next show because there is so much in not only the queue line but also in the pre-show area uh that is so clever um when you walk in on the right hand side as you go in you'll find very early on there's a sign that says gone out for lunch i think key under the mat right look under the mat all right a lot of people won't necessarily do this but do go and look under the mat uh, and then look at all the different doors as you go through and go down to that pre-show area. The pre-show video itself is an attraction. Um, it's so cleverly done and it's very witty and it's that typical yeah. kind of Muppet humour. But also look at all of the props that you find in all of the boxes around that particular pre-show area. Because it is for those of you who are Muppet fans, it is just visual gag galore, just as good as, as the Muppets do well. Yeah, it, it is fantastic. And I remember the first time that I saw it, the uh, particularly the, the the video show that's on the the monitors, there's little tricks that it does that you, you weren't expecting, and it's like, oh wow, that's brilliant. Don't want to give the game away, but you know, there's, yeah. there's little subtleties to it. And um, as as Adam says, the amount of little detailed tricks that are visual, um, a lot of the things are very pun based. Yes. And um, and it is it is fun to spot them. I know that on one of my websites, I went around and photographed a load of them. And when I go back this time, I'll photograph a load more. Yeah. So good stuff. It's I I think the the pre-show um, is just as entertaining as the actual show too. It's it's one of those things that it like you said, it's worth kind of going around and exploring all the different things throughout the room. Um, and then at the same time, it's worth, I mean, I, I kind of feel like this area has three different shows because the room itself is just, like you said, there's just so many great gags and little secrets and little, you know, puns that are there. And then the actual pre-show itself is just, I think it's one of the funniest pre-shows, um, done on property. It really could have been its own show itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then the actual show is just great as well. And, you know, think about, we talk about the the synergy of Disney and the hidden things. Look really carefully when you watch the film as well. I don't want to tell you what happens in the film, but right at the very end, there is a moment where, um, they lose the back wall of the theater. Take a mental image of the back wall of the theater. And then when you step outside, look at what you can see through the back wall of that. If the, if the back wall of the theater was genuinely missing. And look at what mm-hmm. you can see, because again, they're so clever. They actually, you can see what you would have seen in the film 
if the back yeah. wall was missing and you actually go outside and you're like that is there what would have been there just that kind of intricate detail that they use is so very very clever um, my only dis I, I don't know I just I'm not a fan of Waldo but that's me my personal opinion can you get him as a, a character to buy I don't believe so because I think they missed out an opportunity there I don't know really yeah if, if they were selling things like that and Weibo from um, Flubber you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's my vision 3D. Let's head on to the, uh, the what I suppose you class as the newest attraction inside uh, Hollywood Studios, and that Get is in. the what? Get in! I'm Get excited in. about this one. Yes, for the first time in forever, a Frozen sing-along celebration. Yes. Half an Frozen. hour. Frozen. Sorry. <laughs> um. Well, I think you're more excited about it than I am. If I'm honest, I I didn't go to this. While I was there last summer. Why not? Uh, why not? Let's think. Oh, I've got a boy to start off with. The queues no were excuse. stupidly long um, for it. And I've seen... I watched it on YouTube. And to be honest, having watched it on YouTube, I really didn't feel I was going to get anything extra by watching it live than what I did watching it on YouTube. I can't... A man of the performing arts. I, can't, I can't believe you I can't that. work out whether you're being serious or not. <laughs> <laughs> This is my worry, because I know you've got two girls who love Frozen. So I'm struggling to work out whether this is you being deadly serious or not. Well, well, I'll, I'll be honest. I've not been there, so I don't know what it's like. I have seen it on YouTube. And I, I don't think ever the videos do things justice when you see them in person. Um, and right. the concept of it, a sing-along show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I struggle with that concept because although I know the songs. Okay, okay I know the tune. I don't necessarily know the words. Well, am I really going to sing along and... Right, no, they, put the, they put the words up for you. Do they put the words yeah, up? Yeah, the words will go up. Yeah, they have the words up. Well, that means I'm going to have to read it this with is, my glasses off. This is Brent admitting that he's seen this, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I have seen it. I, I've done all this stuff. And so, you know, come on, what's your, what's your opinion? Uh, what do you think to this? Is it, you know, it's interesting that this it, has stayed. It's better than I thought it was going to be, okay. to be honest. Um, it, it's not the greatest thing. I think it's, you know, when you look at all the other great shows that are at studios, um, um, it's not on the top half of those shows, but it, it is a better show than I thought it was going to be. And it actually is kind of entertaining watching, um, the entire crowd as soon as let it go comes on. Hmm. It's really entertaining just seeing every, like literally everyone like burst out into let it go. It's, yeah. it, it kind of takes you by surprise. Okay. So you know you're you're a, you're a little bit of a fan of this, yeah. And I mean, I I think I've seen it twice. Okay. Um, in a year, so so not not a huge amount of times. Um, the th yeah. it's it's coming to Disneyland Paris this summer, so I would probably go and see it while I'm at Disneyland Paris because I'm guessing the queues for it will not be anywhere near as horrendous as uh, they were for. Uh, for, for for Orlando, um, but it it you know it's gonna stay around. I don't think we can ever argue that Frozen is going anywhere. Frozen Summer Fun yeah. is back again this year. Yes, that's right. Um, and I will give them one yeah. thing, and we'll, and we'll come onto this a little bit later. But the Frozen Fireworks were good. I did enjoy those, but we'll come to that a little bit later. Um, so that is a thirty-minute show. Again, if you're going to want to go and see this, you're going to need to queue early, or you're going to need to get a fast pass for it because it is going to be really popular again this summer without any shadow of a doubt. I just don't deny that that's going to happen. Um, I'm going to say that they've only just recently put um, the Fast Pass Plus 
online feed we ever get hold of them. Right, so leadership. in my way, there's still some available it's, for that later. I um, I tried to book my fast passes about uh, four weeks ago now, I yeah. think it was. And the, uh, it wasn't an option for me to choose it then. However, when I was looking the other day, it was. So I've actually swapped out um, Voyage of the Little Mermaid for this show. Okay, sounds good. So that's your uh, that's your frozen element that's still there. Let's talk about the next uh, show that we find when we go to the parks, and that is Lights, Motors, Action. Now, this was an attraction that was brought in as part of the 50th anniversary for Disneyland in California. It's actually a Disneyland Paris or Walt Disney Studios uh, in Paris original and it was brought in to be this new exciting stunt show as part of the streets of america in hollywood studios um it's about 40 minutes long in total and what you do really see is explosions and real stunt drivers driving real stunt cars and making things blow up and fly in the air and all sorts of stuff um intrigued to know kind of brent your opinion on this i you know what i like it but it's one of those things where I don't find myself dying to go to it every single time I go to the park. Mm. Um, I usually go to it when other people, with if I'm with someone from out of town and they want to, you know, go check it out. But it's one of those things because they, they show you a lot of the different secrets. So the first time you watch it, it's really, really cool because it's like, oh, so that's how they do this and that's how they do that. And um, after that, the surprise element's not there, yeah. Yeah. there as much. Um, but I do, I, I do like the car chases. I like the explosions. There, there, there's a lot of cool things about it. But um, it's, it's not my favorite thing. It's not my go-to thing. But if you've never seen it, it definitely is worth checking out because some of the things they show you there is really, it's really cool how they do them. Yeah, yeah. If you say, yeah, you're dead right. If you've not seen this before, if you have seen this in Disneyland Paris, it is pretty much a carbon copy of the attract of the same show. Um, the only difference, the bit that's missing, which will improve it, is the French. Um, so did I say that? Um, so um, so yeah, it's it's a carbon copy of the show. So if you don't have, if you've been to Disneyland Paris and you've seen this attraction there, and you're panicking about whether you've got time to see it, it's not something you're going to miss in the sense that you've not seen it before. You have seen it before, so don't panic about that. Uh, but again, it is worth going to see. Uh, one of the good things about it is it does eat up a huge amount of people, so it can affect some of the wait times for other attractions when there's a big show going on. But equally, it can affect them that it throws a load of people out of the show. And what it used to do used to have a massive impact on things like the backlot tour because people would come out of it and see the backlot tour and go, "Oh, we haven't done that. Let's all go together," and you get all these millions of people going into the backlot tour together. So it does have that impact that it just swallow up a load of people, but it spits them all out in one go as well. So do be aware of that, that if you are in an area and you know there's a likely to be a show kicking out sometime soon, you're on your way to attraction, do get there before that show kicks out. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck behind a huge amount of people because there's nothing really in that corner of the park anymore other than you've got Muppets and then you've got Toy Story Midway Mania that has big enough queues anyway. Uh, in, in, in terms of comparing the two stunt shows, we've got... Yeah. This um, car stunt show and the indie stunt show. Which one would you choose out of them? What if they had to keep if one or the other? One. I would keep indie. If, if you were going to go to one of them, indie. Without and, shadow yeah, enough. indie for sure. Yeah, I've got to say that I've done indie more times than I've done um, the uh, live. Well, I can't even say the car stunt show. From a personal point of view as well, I can see like my lights, motors action in Paris. I can't see indie in Paris. Yeah. So. I kind of yeah, quite happy to keep Indy and get rid of lights motor action. Yeah, the other thing to mention is there keeps being rumours that they're going to be closing Indy down. Well, there's also rumours that they're going to close lights motor action down as well. Um, mm. There's 
they, they keep coming and going. I don't know whether there's anything recent, Brent. Is there about that? Uh, not really. Because there, <laughs> there was talk of this whole area, wasn't there, that they could actually use all of this area of the Backlot Tour and the whole area for Lights, Motors, Action to turn it into one particularly themed area of the park. But that yeah. kind of came and I, went. I, I kept on hearing Cars Land was going to go there, but yes, I, I haven't really heard anything recently. Yeah, I want Cars Land, please. That'd be great. If we could do that, that'd be lovely. Because I'm it's, it's sort of makes way. sense if if you look at the the space allocation of what was a backlot tour, yeah, um, and the stunt show, you know you've you've pretty much got a well according to the park map anyway you've got a big clear space of land on the left hand side of the park map. Yeah, you may have a load of backstage area stuff there to remove, but um, they're doing put that in the drawing, so I'm not worried. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, we did pass one smaller attraction, which we'll talk about briefly now. And that's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie set adventure. Um, I always remember as a kid seeing this and thinking, oh, great, I'm going to have a go on this. It's brilliant. And getting there, and it wasn't actually the real movie set and being really disappointed. I don't know why I ever thought it would be the real movie set. but I, I, I find that it, this is a great attraction. And again, I'm not being sarcastic here. But the reason that I find it's a great attraction is when my wife and in-laws are going off doing the thrill rides, yeah. I can go somewhere with the kids. Yes, that is true. It's a good play area for the kids to go to. And they do enjoy it. And it yeah. is good fun. And it is very well themed as well. I'll be honest. Um, it's taken up a... It, it does take up a chunk of area. But I think it's a well themed attraction for, for what it is. As someone without kids, Brent, have you done this? Go on, please say yes. Please say yes. I, I, I've actually done it several times. Yes. Excellent. Um, I, I think it's actually one of the best themed play areas on property. Um, yeah. I, I think the boneyard over at Animal Kingdom is better themed, but this, I, I don't know, there's just, there's a little bit of everything, which is nice. There's, yeah. you know, there's not just slides, but there's the cargo net that you can climb. There's the tunnels. Um, there's the water features. There's a little bit of everything here, which I really like. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. agree. Definitely. The, the other thing is, it's quite cool that there's a lot of, um, I've said the word retro twice in this show already, um, like retro references, you know, in terms of Play-Doh, Super Soakers, um, mm. Kodak Film, etc. Mm. Just all the things that were popular when Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was a film. And, you know, it's going to be partly a museum, I dare say, in terms of references at one point. Yeah, it will be eventually. It'll get to that point, won't it? Mom, well, what's that? Is yeah. it a compact <laughs> disc? <laughs> yeah, it's very true. This is a this is not only a museum, but it's also a play area. It's a combination of the two things together. Um Okay, so they're the kind of four attractions you'll find in Streets of America. Let's just quickly go over some of the food that we've got here. The High Octane Restaurant, uh, which... Refreshment, sorry. Which is uh, a, a bar there. It's got sort of beer, beverages, and cocktails, things like that. You've then got the Studio Catering Company, which is kind of an open-air-ish um, counter-service restaurant. Just sandwiches, wraps, and salads. Um, you've got Pizza Planet, which is around that area. And that's kind of taking us in towards the next sort of area which we'll talk about in a little while um which again has your pastas your, your pizzas your meatball subs and beers and stuff like that it has the writer's stop which um it's interesting disney call it kind of a shopping location but actually it's a, another coffee kind of bar that has espressos pastries those sort of things and bits and pieces um, does it also sell books i don't know does it sell books that's a good question yeah, it sells books as well, yes. Yeah. There we go, it does sell books. That's why it's the shopping area rather than anything else. And then you get the bit of the main restaurant in here, uh, which is Mama Melrose Restaurant Italiano. Now, who has eaten at Mama Melrose? 
I have. Not yet. I have. If food was... this, this, this is my pick for the best restaurant on in Hollywood Studios. Oh wow! Okay. Do, do you not like it? Is that I, why it's a no, The food was okay. Um, again, it wasn't. I think I, I still preferred the food at fifties prime time. The, I think we probably might have gone on an off day. The food wasn't terrible, but it wasn't also amazing. Uh, but it was okay. I, I really like the flatbread. The chicken flatbread there is yeah. really good. Yeah. And the one thing I always wished is that it hadn't become Mama Melrose and they had actually gone with the, the Muppets idea for the restaurant. Just, that would have been a lot just better. Just have been amazing to have had a Muppet restaurant. Would have been fantastic. Yeah. Shame that never happened. But hey, that's by the by. Um, but yeah. again, it's a good place to go for some food. Um, you can usually pick up a decent reservation there as well, which is really good. Um, and yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It is well worth going to if you're looking for something to eat. Brent says it's his favourite. I would choose if this prime time over this, but still, there's no absolutely nothing wrong with it. I've um, I've booked in here this year, okay. And one of the things that I've booked as a as part of my option is I've gone for the there's a fantastic deal. Oh, the thing. dining package. Yeah, where you get um, reserved seating mm-hmm. or reserved spaces. Yeah, we'll say for um, the fantastic shows. I don't know how that works, whether it's, you just get bundled in with the fast passes. I don't know. Uh, no, because the fast pass system doesn't work brilliantly, if I'm honest, uh, for Fantasmic. So I would guess there'll be some other way of, of taking you in. But I couldn't Wait, tell you okay. where exactly when, when I've done the Fantasmic package uh, with, with, with Mama Melrose, they actually had it so you met someone at a different spot, and they actually took you through a backstage way to go. get up there before anyone else. Fabulous. Oh, that's very exciting. That's really good. So hopefully they still do that. That was a few years ago. Right. I would guess it would change very much. Um, but there's your food options there. And we're going to continue with our food options. We're going to take a shortcut through Commissary Lane. We've got, again, another well-themed uh, counter service, uh, table service, sorry, and a counter service location. You've got the ABC Commissary, which um, is, again, the counter service location, which sells you burgers and your sandwiches and things like that. Now, do they still do it that they kind of name the foods after well-known ABC television series? Um, about half the menu is. Half the menu. Because I know they did like a desperate housewife salad or something at one point and a lost something. I can't remember what it was. But yeah. I, I always quite like the idea that they theme these to ABC shows. Which was pretty good. The other place, of course, on oh, Commissary Lane. To, I was going to say, there used to be like some sort of medical drama that they used to have on. Um, which is, is totally lost. But there was, a, there was a curry that was related to that. Was there? Yeah. Brilliant! I love it. That's great. Um, the Sci-Fi Dining Theatre is the counter. Is the I'll get them right in a minute. It's a table service restaurant. And when I say table service, you actually sit in an old sort of 50s style uh, dining theatre where they show you kind of horror, sci-fi kind of black and white movies. Nothing scary. Nothing's going to scare the kids. And the idea is you're going in to sit in a, di- a drive-in movie theatre and you sit in vehicles and you sit in, in bays of about two people and they bring out uh, the menus and they bring out your food to you and you sit in your car and you eat your food. Again, it's burgers and sandwiches and things like this. They do great milkshakes, I've got to say. In here, I had a fantastic milkshake. Um, they are great milkshakes. They, they're not the cheapest, but they're well mm. worth getting without a shadow of a doubt. Um, have you eaten here, Alan? Um, yes. What were we talking about? Sci-fi dining theatre. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes, I have. Um, and one one of the the bonuses I had at this restaurant yeah. was, um, to be fair, it was just, just by luck. Um, we turned up, we used our dining plan, and we never got charged any credits. 
Oh wow! So I love it even more. So you got an even, we got a free meal, which is even <laughs> better. It's it's well worth uh, a trip if you've got the time to go. It's really well themed, and again, it's this idea that um, you're kind of movie, it's going into a movie set, and as you, you're taken down by your server, they actually talk to you about what this. They, they always talk to you. It was like a time machine pathway, and eventually you're going to come out, and you're going to end up in the 1950s. Um, and you can see that it's supposed to be a movie set. And it's designed to look like you're moving into a movie set to sit in your dinner, which is really yeah. good. And also one of the cool things, if you enter the Rocketeer, which I know Jim Corpus was at the time, yeah, um, there's a couple of references to the Rocketeer, and I think you can see the Rocketeer's backpack as well through there. I do believe there is somewhere that you yeah. can do that, yeah. And yeah, if you're cast... one of the fences. Yeah, that's right. And if your cast member's playing along with it really well, um, if you ask where the toilets are, they've pointed over, it's over there behind the Poison Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> as though you're actually yeah. in the driving set. Yeah. Yeah, it's dead right. Um, there's one thing I just want to quickly mention. I've just realised we forgot to mention. I just want to flash back to Frozen. And just to mention, we've talked about it being over in this area in the Premier Theatre. The chance of you're listening to this and it's the summer, it's not going to be there anymore. It's actually moved. It's now going to be in the, Amer the, pro the what was the American Idol Theatre, which is towards the top of Hollywood Boulevard. Um, and you're going to be uh, watching it over there now instead. So do not panic. If you're going over to the Premier Theatre, it's moved. That's where it is now. Um, just wanted to mention that while I remembered it. Right, let's move over into uh, what is the kind of the newest themed area, I would say. And this is Pixar Place. And in Pixar Place, you are going to find Toy Story Midway Mania. Now, this is, I, I would guess, one of the big e-ticket attractions inside Hollywood Studios. It's a combination between a shoot-em-up game and a dark ride and a 3d experience um that brings all of that together for you to uh basically play against your family and friends to see who can get the highest score now brent i'm pretty certain you have done this goodness knows how many times and i'm pretty certain I, i'm obsessed with this ride. right well this <laughs> is good because you're going to help me now as well how do we get the highest scores on this attraction Okay, so there's there's different spots in each room that trigger new things to pop up, which are worth more and more points. Yeah. Um, so going room by room, so the, the very first room is the farm scene. And in it's either the bottom right or the bottom left, depending on where your vehicle is. Um, there's a little hen house. And on top of the hen house is a little fox. And if you shoot the fox, then a bunch of hens come out. So if you hit all three hens, the fox will pop up again. You hit the fox again, and then you hit the three hens, and then a cat will pop up behind them. <laughs> and after you get the cat, then a mule goes across the screen. So you get that, and it's it's one of those things you kind of have to get the right, you know, hit this, then this, then this, then this, in yeah. that room. And usually you can get about anywhere between twenty to 40,000 points in that room. Um then going on to the next room, it's the balloon pop. And this is, this is one of my favorite ones. Is There's a piece of lava that comes out of the volcano. If you hit that, two more things of lava will pop up. You hit those two, and then three of them pop up. After you hit those three, the volcano starts erupting a bunch of points. So you just hit all the balloons that are popping out. And, and after the eruption finishes, there, there's going to be two comets, one on the left-hand side and one on the right-hand side of the screen. You have to hit both of those three times, and then it starts having comets come down. And when the comets hit the ground, um, more balloons pop up into the air that are worth about 2,000 points each. 
Um, The next scene is the Green Army Men scene. And on the left-hand side and the right-hand side, this one's a lot easier to do if you have a person who's riding with you. Um, There will be two plates that pop up into the air. Um, You have to hit both of those plates before they disappear off the screen. Um, So if you hit both of those, then all of a sudden a wall will lower down and about 5,000 points will pop up in the air. If you hit one of those, a tank will start shooting out 5,000 points at your screen for the rest of the game. Right. Um, and then the next scene is the green army men's, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, little green men scene. And there's a spaceship in the middle, and there's about 10 targets on the spaceship. If you get all of the 10 targets down before any of them start popping up again, the spaceship will take off, and Emperor Zerg will be behind it. And his mouth will open up, and each time, the first time it's 100 points, then 500, then 1,000, then 2,000, then 5,000. Um, and then the very final scene, the one with Woody's Roundup, if you hit all the targets once, they'll all have three or four targets pop up in their place. And then if you hit all of those, then all the targets will pop up, and they'll all be worth 5,000 points. Wow, okay. That is yeah, like I lot. said, I'm, I'm obsessed. You've got a full strategy going on there. That is a full strategy, without a shadow of a doubt. That's a that's a. I, 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 us- I usually get the highest score of the day, um, and I it's one of those things I do go there almost every single first of the month to get the highest score of the month. <laughs> um, but I I've never gotten there's like there's some guy the cast members have told me there's some guy who comes every single day on you know the first of the month and he's always one of the first people in the ride and yeah. he's always the the top one and one time he was sitting behind me and i was so livid because i could see i was going to have the highest score of the month and i started like you know celebrating early and then all of a sudden i hear the guy go nope i beat you and i said no there's no way and all of a sudden it popped up and his score beat me and i was like oh immense that's immense does, does it allocate your name or anything like that to it no it just says you know high score of the hour of the month or this the hour of the day in the month and the ride vehicle oh I, I would like to be at least put three initials on like an old computer game. They get to input your name. That'd be nice. But, but one thing that I absolutely love about this is kind of like how we were talking about um, Star Tours earlier, is every time you go on it, it is a different experience. Yeah. You know, d- depending on what you hit, different things will pop up. And it's kind of like Star Tours where every time you go on it, it's not, not the exact same ride two times in a row. Yeah, that's true, I suppose. And also they've got the option to... Um, if if they do um, Toy Story 4, they can sort of add a bit extra in there. Swap mm-hmm. out a bit of film. Yeah, because originally the uh, the uh, dinosaur one with um, Rex and Trixie, uh, that originally was a Bo Peep ride where you were shooting Bo Peep's balloon sheep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then when uh, Toy Story 3 came out and Bo Peep was no longer in the movie, they, they decided to switch it to this. Yeah. Whether it was good or bad, I don't know. I don't know. No, I, well. I think it, it's, it's always good to keep things up to date, though, and, yeah. and tie in the, the latest franchise. Although Mr. Prickle's pants could be good. He could be quite That'd good. be very good. Yeah, but maybe that's another step forward for them. Um, another thing to point out is this is an attraction that... I thoroughly recommend that you get Fast Pass Four. Without a shadow of a doubt, um, the the key for this is 
can can just grow and grow throughout the day and before long you know you've got an hour and a half wait in the middle of the day sometimes two hours and it, you know if you can get a fast pass this would be one of the things that i would definitely suggest although if you are stuck in the queue and you are stuck there for an hour or whatever it is yeah. there is plenty to see in that oh, the, the theming is amazing um, and also there's hidden references to other films and yeah. um, just like they are in the, in the Pixar cartoons when you see them on the TV. Mm. Um, there's, I think there's a, a hidden Finding Nemo in there. There's definitely hidden Mickeys. Yeah. Um, so there's loads of stuff to look for in there. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. But it's, it, it, I think one of the disappointments that like, with the, we talk about some of the other attractions are things like um, the Great Movie Ride is that the Fast Pass queue misses out the giant Mr. Potato Head. That you get in the uh, main queue and a lot of yeah. the kind of little elements and details that you find in the queue you don't get if you go through fast pass but you know equally the, the amount of time you could end up spending that queue is is kind of something you wouldn't want to do if you can get fast pass and get it much shorter but it's well worth seeing trying to see that mr potato if you can on that queue line um right we've got the hey howdy hey takeaway which is a small location inside um of pixar place but then we're going to move on to mickey avenue and i want to talk walt disney one man's dream because um this for me i think is one of the most misunderstood attractions i think by a lot of people in yeah. um in hollywood studios and one of the things that scares me and and this is one of the reasons why i hope this never disappears is the amount of people that don't realise that Walt Disney was actually a real person. And not necessarily our age, you know, and those are uber Disney fans and that sort of stuff. But certainly younger generations hear about the Walt Disney Company and Walt Disney World, and they understand that it's a movie and it's a theme park, but they never really understood that there was a one man called Walt Disney who was behind all of this. And I think this is such an important kind of attraction that needs to stay in Disney World and in Hollywood Studios for a very, very long time to come. Yeah. And, and, sort of I, touch- and it's 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 just the great walkthrough attraction. There's so much stuff to see, so much to do, yeah. and you really get this appreciation for Walt Disney by going through there. Oh, and the the enormity of his talent. You know, we look at some of the the small box models he made for some of the um, film early films he made. The uh, multiplane camera that's in there. Just we're not just talking about films here. We're talking about you know theme park attractions. We go through all the other bits and pieces. It's just phenomenal, and I think just such a good job at really showing the the enormity of the talent that, that Walt Disney had. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a little um, house set that he's made there. That's the one. Yeah, I was talking about. Um, it's got. I think it's got lights so in my heart. Um, and I, I was, I, like uh, on the day that I went in the park with Jim Corgus, I said to him, "Look, I've never been in this attraction." And I'll be honest, I've always walked straight past it and gone to Toy Story Mania. And not because I've, I've got no interest in Walt Disney as a person or his history. I always felt that it was just a, a very small exhibit of, of a bit like what used to be over at the Magic Kingdom. Um, in the, was it was the Exposition Hall. Um, yep. Where you'd go in and there was just a few pictures. There wasn't that much. But I went in with Jim Corcus and he pointed out all the, all the details. There was um, Walt Disney's old desk um, and he sort of referenced to all the, the photographs that are out there um, the last colour photograph of Walt Disney done etc and it, it is absolutely fascinating the amount of detail in there and then you go from the walkthrough to a sort of cinema show yeah, which, which is a short film and again a lot of information to have through there and it's great fun 
However, Chris, who used to be a host on the show, as soon as he would go into a cinema and sit down, he'd fall asleep. That, do you know, I'm not an emotional person, as my wife will attest. There's not a lot that kind of makes me well up. But that end film every time. Yeah. And it, it is it, it is brilliant. And as you say, I think people still need to remember who Walt Disney was and that he was an actual person. Um, and I think that the, the younger generation that's coming through now aren't necessarily going to know of Walt Disney because it, it's re- reference to Disney rather than Walt Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a brand now. It's not a person. And I think to a certain extent, the same goes for Mickey Mouse. When my kids were growing up, there was a point where I thought, well, do they actually know who Mickey Mouse is? You know, we, we grew up with all the shorts that were on TV, mm. but the kids of nowadays are watching all sorts of different things, and Mickey Mouse isn't in the, the forefront. However, the, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse did start to come on TV. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's Mickey Avenue for you. That is Mickey Avenue. When Mickey Avenue was obviously a lot longer and then Pixar Place took over part of that and that's what exists now. Uh, let's move into Animation Courtyard then and talk a little bit about the uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which is, do you know what? The the mermaid in this, the, the woman who plays the Little Mermaid, has the, the most remarkable endurance skills. Um, most of the shows in Hollywood studios happen at intervals you know indiana jones will happen maybe six or eight times a day if you're lucky um you've got beauty and the beast we'll talk about in a bit that has so many shows but voyage of the little mermaid is continuous every 15 minutes the show recycles and starts again no i know i'm not under the impression it's the same mermaid that does it all day but the fact that this show is continuous again and again and again is amazing it's a great show, uh, but what I think it demonstrates is just how Disney, how good Disney have got at creating really great shows in the parks. Um, because I remember seeing The Little Mermaid and going, this is amazing, it's the best show in the whole of Walt Disney World. And then Disney have created more and more things, and it's still a good show, but it now pales in comparison to a lot of the other stuff that they've done. I, I, I think the, the whole puppet scene at the start with Under the Sea is just extremely well done. That's yeah. my favourite part. Yeah. Like. I've got a feeling that, although this might be unpopular, it it definitely shows its age. And what I mean by that is it uses a lot of laser projection. Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> and laser projection reminds me of um, nightclubs or like cabaret shows that would used to go to as a, as a yeah. as family. And it does severely date it. Oh, and the, oh, the, the other brilliant thing, which, you know, you go to a lot of these sort of shows and you get... A, sp- a spritz of water. Well, every time you go under the sea in The Little Mermaid, you get doused with water. Well, you are going under the sea. Of course you're going to get doused. Yeah, but it's not just a little spritz. It's like <laughs> it's like a 10-minute blast. Yeah, it's a really good it's really good soaking, isn't it, when you get wet? Yeah. Uh, the Ursula in this is amazing, though. The Ursula puppet. Yeah. It's amazing how they do that. But it's, again, another show that if you've not seen it, definitely go and see. It's got Fastpass Plus. I don't know whether you've noticed this, but I, even with Fastpass Plus, the queue for this doesn't seem to be that big. If the park's really busy, then you'll find that the queue will be reasonably long. But actually, majority of the time, this is pretty much a walk up and, and go in. Yeah, especially later in the day. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's move along to the magic of Disney animation then uh, and this is an opportunity for you to go through and see and learn how Disney animators draw and create it's again it's a shell of what it used to be 
one of the things I used to love about this attraction is you would go through and you would actually get to see real Disney animators working on real Disney animated movies and you would watch them drawing these particular cartoons and then two years later you'd be sat watching the film that they were working on in that particular location. Um, yeah. It's not been used as that for a very long time. I want to say the last cartoon that was entirely made there was... Because Brother Bear. Brother Bear, okay, there we go. Brother, I was going to say Lilo and Stitch, but Brother Bear was the last one that was, that was entirely made there, and, and there were elements of others that were. Um, but again, one of the things I love about this attraction is the animation class at the end. Um, yeah. And the, this great animation class, the opportunity to sort of um, go and draw a, a character and do it properly. And also, this is the, the one place to go if you are looking for the latest Disney character meet and greet. So at the moment, it's Big Hero 6. Uh, when I was last there, it, when I was there last year, it was Wreck-It Ralph. Um, but this is the one place to go to meet the latest characters. You won't meet these characters pretty much anywhere else in the park. So if you've got Big Hero 6 fans, uh, this is the place to go. Again, that may change before you go in the summer. It's fairly unlikely, I think, that that's going to happen. But at the minute, Big Hero 6 is the place to go and visit those. Yeah, I've I'm, I'm got big um, Hero 6 fans in our house. So believe it or not, my, my girls love Baymax. Well, well, he is your healthcare companion. Of course, he is. So, why not? <laughs> yeah. Although um, Vanellope would have been a, a nice addition. Are there any sort of hidden gems in this, Brent, that have kind of been left over from the days of it being a working animation studio? Um, I mean, n not a whole lot. There's, there's the one wall has. I mean, while, while you go throughout the whole exhibit, there's various it looks like pencil sketchings across the walls mm -hmm. of different disney characters and the one wall that's to the right of the entrance of the animation class um they do have mushu coda and lilo and stitch um there because those are the only three films that were completely made at that studio or in, in on this coast yeah um but when you're actually in the room um one of my favorite things to see is there's it, when, when you're looking at the actual um, animator up on the table to the left of them, there's a little desk and it's got a bunch of different sketches on the front. Uh, one of the sketches there is actually of a lost boy who was found in the original film, which was Robin Williams and Walter Cronkite. They did a little uh, movie back in the yeah. 1980s 90s where yes. um Robin Williams wanted to be a a cartoon character. This is actually before Aladdin too. Um, he wanted to be a cartoon character, and he became a lost boy in a new segment during Peter Pan. And the little lost boy that he played the part of is actually found there on the desk. It's really cool. Okay. Yeah, I totally I remember that totally. Yeah, I remember being a lost boy. It was in my head. I remember him being a lost boy, but equally, I still I, I see him as Mario in a raccoon suit. <laughs> I don't know why. I just keep picturing that, that was that kind of outfit, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, okay, that's the magic of Disney animation. Let's move on. Then we're going to Disney Junior live on stage. It is um, about a 24, 25 minute show where they it do change it up every now and again. So the latest favorite. Disney Junior characters you'll find in the show. Um, usually, you'll have Mickey Mouse with Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. 
And then in the, over the past few years, it's been any combination of Handy Manny, the Little Einsteins, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's been Sophia the First. There's been uh, goodness knows. There's all sorts of Jake stuff. And the Jake and the Neverman Pilots have all been it. I, I remember. Um, Oh, I remember the little baby in there at one point as well. I forgot the name of it. But I've seen sort of incarnations of this for a good few years now. Um, it's a really great show for young children. Um, one that they And one of the great things about this is unlike a lot of the other shows that are in Hollywood studios, they must stay in their seat and sit there and they can't move. In this, they're encouraged to get up and to dance and to clap along and to shout, to cheer. And there not only are there things going on stage, but also the things that come down from the ceiling as well, bubbles and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. so it's a, if you've got young children, it is an absolute must to go and see this. Um, it, even though the kid, you know, the parents might not enjoy it, there's some benches at the back you can go and sit on if you really want to be miserable. Yeah. Or you can. The, sit there is limited bench it. seating, so if you are going into it, I would I would recommend you try it. Go for the bench seating because it is a pretty much concrete floor with carpet on it, and 24 minutes on your butt hurts. And Brent, when was the last time you saw this? I actually saw this last year. My my dad came. Um, they, they rented an apartment for a month to stay down here. My parents wow. did. And my dad's goal was to go on every single attraction. And there is nothing creepier in the world than a man in his 60s and his 30-year-old son <laughs> sitting on the floor clapping along with the kids. Yes, I, I have a similar story. Um, I went to Disneyland Paris without uh, Harry. Um, long story. Uh, there's no doubt people are now laughing at this show, me going to a park without a child. Uh, and he wasn't there, and I wanted to video the show for him. And I did exactly the same thing. Sat on the floor laughing and cheering along while videoing the entire show. So I probably looked like a right weirdo as an adult joining in and videoing it at exactly the same time. So uh, I know exactly the, that feeling. The thing was, though, Brent, when the um, coins or the, the the coins fell from the ceiling or the leaves fell from the ceiling, depends what iteration you went on to, were you collecting them all up? Oh, yeah. I, I, I've got a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got some somewhere. I'm pretty certain I've got some leaves and some streamers and some bits and pieces from different places uh, the, the kids are like fascinated by the puppets but as soon as the streamers fall from the ceiling it. oh my word yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> um, the one uh, shop in this particular area one retail location is the animation gallery and this is one of those places I will spend a lot of time in I love Disney art and you get painted cells and all sorts of stuff in this particular location they have some great big figs that you'll find in here I think they do animation in here and just some of the artwork that you get um, is just to die for obviously coming from the UK shipping that back to Britain is astronomical but um, yeah. one of these days I am going to buy something from this store it's like a bucket list job this is I tell you right let's head uh, back down we're kind of heading back um, down Hollywood Boulevard now. And rather than going out to the exit, we're actually going to take a, a left as we're walking down. And we're going to head down what was a kind of an expanded area from the original park. And this is Sunset Boulevard. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about the theme for Sunset Boulevard, Brent? Yeah, so it's um, Sunset Boulevard. First off, it wasn't actually always there, which is kind of hard to believe because everyone knows like Tower Care and Rock Little Coaster now. Um, actually, the Beauty and the Beast live on stage show actually was right at the entrance or where the entrance of um, Sunset Boulevard is. And the entire theming of this land here, it's it's themed obviously around the actual Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. But while you go through it, it kind of tells the story of the Tower of Terror. There's different billboards um, that are kind of hidden behind the plants for the brand new hotel, um, the Hollywood Tower Hotel. 
And as you get closer and closer, there's more and more references to the hotel, which most people don't really understand that there's actually this giant story going on from the entrance of Hollywood Boulevard all the way through. Uh, for instance, on the left-hand side in front of the um, um, Sweet Spells shop, there is some luggage there, and all the luggage that's there is actually the luggage that belongs to the different characters that stayed at the Tower of Terror in the film, mm-hmm. the, the made-for-TV movie from 1996. Um, nice. But yeah, it, it, it's really interesting because the, the entire street actually is kind of a really subtle nod to just the one attraction. Yeah. Which most people don't really catch. Um, what what is the what is the year that it's set in? The year is know? of Tower of Terror or of the whole of Sunset yeah. Boulevard. Uh, I want to say nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty nine is when the tower was struck by lightning. There we go. Okay, because one of the things that um, Jim pointed out to me was that there's a lot of wartime references down this street yes um and i think i'm gonna have a quick skim through here there's a a thing a food place called anaheim produce mm-hmm. which i think um you can get sort of fresh fruit from and stuff like that that's right yeah they... and i think there's a, a garden just behind there which was all about sort of encouraging people to sort of i think was it dig for victory was that what it was yeah um and and there is a a, a person on a billboard that was something to do with um, American military history. I don't know my history very well. <laughs> you're in the right time period for World War, if that helps. Um, yeah, that got one bit right. right. So you're about right. Let's start at the top of Sunset Boulevard then, and uh, we start off at the Theatre in the Stars, which is currently the home of Beauty and the Beast live on stage. About a half an hour version of this. Um, that you can go and see again it's on at various times during the day I, i'll openly admit i don't remember the last time i saw this ah oh, adam a man of the performing arts again i know not doing very well am i have you seen it on youtube I've, i well i saw it live i saw it live several times but um obviously having seen the west end slash broadway version of beauty and the beast this does kind of not work as well for me i loved four for a dollar who used to be the pre-show for this particular attraction they were amazing and it was so clever how they used to do it and then disney kind of got rid of them they disappeared um and i think the last time i saw it was when four for a dollar was still um the pre-show and that has that got wild, <laughs> ten, 10 years maybe now gotta be at least 10 yeah, years i think they ended about seven or eight years ago so yeah yeah it's probably about 10 years since i last saw the show I'll have to check them out on YouTube then. Yeah, check them out. I've got a video, an old VHS of them doing their show somewhere. Did you get that from the Honey I Shrunk the Kids movie? Yeah, that's one of my. Sorry, Brent. One of my old roommates. That was his favorite thing in the whole park. He was Mr. Tough Guy, and um, I remember the first time he told me that he watched Beauty and the Beast. He goes, "Oh, it's the greatest show ever." And I'm looking at the guy thinking, dude, you're Mr. Tough Guy, what? And then he started talking about the four for a dollar, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Two different things. Uh, but it's, again, another show that's really, it's a lovely family show, and uh, there is nothing wrong with the show at all. You know, it's not horrendous or offensive. I've just, again, seen it so many times, and it's one of those things that I, I should really go and see again because I haven't seen it for such a long time. Um, but, I, but I haven't seen for a long time. It's not, if it is lashing down with rain, as it sometimes is in Florida, it's not necessarily the best undercover show because 
my experience was that the wind tends to blow the rain in through the sides. Yeah. So you need to have a good seat in the middle near the front to be totally dry. Yeah, definitely. But um, it's one you're seeing, I take it, Alan, this time? Um, yes, I'm just having a quick look. It's Fast Pass Plus as well. It is Fast Pass Plus, yes. It is Fast Pass Plus, yeah. Yeah. Oh is. my word. Um, I will not be fast, fast plus in it, right. but I will more than likely be doing it, and I'll be more than likely doing it when my wife and in-laws are on Tower of Terror. Fair enough. You're doing a lot while they're on Tower of Terror. Yeah, I'll do everything. Let's head to our next attraction then, which is probably one of the attractions that they're going to be doing while you're watching Beauty and the Beast live on stage, and that is the, the third time Rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith, um, Disney's first inverted roller coaster at Walt Disney World um, it is um, an indoor coaster and the idea is it's taking you on a journey in a stretch limo as you follow Aerosmith to their gig leaving, following them from the recording studio to the gig it's um, a jet, it's like a propulsion system uh, it takes you from 0 to 60 miles an hour in something like 2.4 seconds um, a great attraction really great attraction, really enjoy it it's, it's very simple but very, very clever. I've always loved this one. I think it's such a great... It, it's a great one, especially if you're a thrill seeker. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And the again, we, we talk about um, the detail of queues. You've got a lot of uh, music memorabilia in the queue line and queue area of this. Uh, the music you'll hear is you know very popular music from the past sort of 40-odd years. Um, and it's very, very well themed in the way that they do it. You go to G-Force Records in order to uh, go and, and, and go through the attraction. And there's a single rider line too, which really helps cut things down if you're willing to separate. Yeah. And you can't get a fast pass for it. It's, it's definitely worth checking out the, the single rider line. Yeah, so, sometimes the single rider line really works. Um, I've, I've been on it on, it was on uh, Expedition Everest, and it's like nearly a walk on on the ride, so it's definitely worth trying. Yeah, it's a good attraction, definitely. You not, know, not so good if you you're trying to sneak down there with your kid. Yeah, and you, your kid wants to go with you, and you go, no, 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 you're going with some random. See you later, bye. So let's talk then about the final attraction at Hollywood Studios, and what arguably Fine. is the e-ticket attraction. This is the point where, um, Alan, you could probably just go and uh, get a drink because um, I don't you know anything about this at all. Or he drank um, on the drink. This is the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, uh, and it is uh, right at the end of Sunset Boulevard. It is uh, a, a dark ride come drop tower come Disney genius. Um you know, I, I can't speak highly enough for this attraction. I absolutely wet myself every time I'm in the queue for this attraction. It doesn't matter how many times I've done it and how many times I know I love it and I enjoy it. I still get in the queue and I still am scared to death as I stand there and wait to get on this this attraction. Um, it's so good at creating an atmosphere. Uh, but equally, it's such a good ride. Um, Brent, do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Uh, you know, it's in my opinion, it's probably the best themed ride it, it, it easily in Hollywood Studios, yeah. maybe in all of Walt Disney World. Um, oh, no. It's it's funny because this was actually, it, it came out right around the same time. It came out in 1994, which was right when they were having blockbusters like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and mm. Little Mermaid. And the studio pretty, or uh, the company pretty much said, go for it. Here's all this money from these movies. Yeah. 
do what you can do. And they, they came, I mean, they knocked it out of the park. There's so many cool references to the Twilight Zone television series, um, both in the line and on the ride and in the post show. And um, it's, it, I mean, it's a completely immersive experience. Every single time you go on it, you will notice different things that you never noticed previously. Um, one of my favorite things there is it, it's a really subtle reference to a Twilight Zone episode. But when you go in there, you can go into one of two libraries at the start for the mm-hmm. pre-show video. And if you look on some of the bookshelves, um, in one room, there's an envelope that says Rod Serling. And in the other room, there's an envelope that says Victoria West. And it's a reference to this episode where there was a writer um, who his wife saw a woman in the in the house and she accused him of cheating. He said, no, I'm I'm a writer. Everything I write comes to life. And this was a character that I made. And she said, how dare you? I don't believe you. And he said, well, here's an envelope with your name on it. And he throws into the fire and she disappears. Yeah. And at the end of the show, Rod Serling saying, oh, obviously everything in tonight's episode is completely fake. And the writer takes this letter that says Rod Serling and goes, I wouldn't say that, Rod. And he throws it into the fire and Rod Serling disappears. So there's all these clever little references to the to the show, which you just walk by without even realizing yeah. that this has a huge elaborate story behind it. And we have to remember as well that the Imagineers watched every single episode of The Twilight Zone in order yes. to create its attraction. So that, you know, I'm not a fan of The Twilight Zone in the sense that I've watched a massive amount of episodes, but I fully appreciate the amount of detail that was in this attraction yep. it's, and, I mean, and, and the great the great thing about it too is when you get to the drop sequence there's various drop sequences that you could go through yeah. so no matter which you know every time you go on it just like star tours or toy story um when you go on it you might get a different drop sequence than you did the previous time yeah. so that's a great thing about it too you never know if you're going to go up or down or whatnot so we'll go into a little bit of the backstory of this so the idea is, is the hollywood tower hotel it was a hotel that was built and was used in sort of the like the 1930s and then in uh, i think it was halloween october 31st 1939 i think is the exact date um yep that uh, the hollywood tower was struck by lightning one and one of the lift shafts was struck by lightning and the occupants of that lift were plummeted to their death and you are going into the Hollywood Tower Hotel and you're going into the service elevators and you're going up to explore a little bit more about the hotel and what is going on. Interestingly, and this is genuinely true, at the time of building Hollywood Tower Hotel and while they were constructing it, it was actually struck by lightning. So yeah. it's not a complete lie. You know, this was actually struck by lightning, as it says in the storyline. Um, and then and obviously the you go to plummeted to their death. No, the occupants didn't plummet to their death. But we could, you know, we could do an entire show just on the hidden references within within Tower of Terror, and we could spend hours talking about those references. But um, it's well worth going in and really taking your time over the queue and looking at all of the elements that are in there because there are so many elements to the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, just clever references and clever uh, theming that goes with that particular attraction. Yeah. Um, Adam mentioned in the in the Icon episode of Disney Brit. Um, Disney Brit Bite Size, that um, oh, there was yeah. an Imagineer that glued something to the table that was it was like a jar of his lunch or something. Yeah, it was. There was loads of jars that were sticking down behind one of the counters, and one of the jars that was left there was a jar full of something that they were using during construction, and basically it was stuck down to the table among all the other jars, and it's still there today. And I don't know whether you know about that, Brent, or know what it's got in it. 
Um, I, I don't know what's in it, but I, it's it's actually in the post area when you see the, the photos. Ah. Um, and there's the little counter there where the cast member usually stands behind there. If you look behind the cast member, there's a little table on the left-hand side, and there's a bunch of jars there, and that's where the, the jar that's is. The jar is. There we go. So, yeah, it, was, it shouldn't be there, but it is. Um, also, you, you mentioned that there's a, a, a random factor oh, the about the drop sequence. Room the break room uh that they have which is in between the two lift shafts and apparently it's one of the noisiest break rooms that you could possibly stay in and, and they I, again it's been reported and we've read and, and did some research on it that the cast members say that the walls kind of almost move but in, in the corridor between the two lift shafts due to the amount of force that it's pulling it down and the the amount of air that has to be dispersed in order to do it and it's apparently a really bizarre experience nice i'd love to see that that'd be fun that. to go see that'd be great to see you'll have to get a job there yeah I need, to, need to get a job on Tower of Terror just so I can go and see that why would you like to work on the Tower of Terror well the reason is you go to this elaborate story and then they say well, it's not true and you go oh, in that case I don't want to work for it thank you I'd like to move yeah on. you can keep your job uh, we'll come to the Nighttime Entertainment in a second but I want to just very quickly talk about the food that you've got in that area so we've got Starring Rolls which is the home of the famous carrot cake cookie which yes. we made on the show a little while back. You've then got an area known as the Sunset Ranch Market, which has a number of different uh, places that sell a lot of food. This is kind of one of our, I guess, our hangout. This is where I hang out just before Fantasmic and get something to eat. So you've got Toluca Turkey Legs there, Anaheim Produce, as you've already mentioned, Rose's All American Cafes in that area, Catalina Eddie's, Fairfax Fries and Hollywood Scoops. And then there's, um, they sell a mixture of fruits, pretzels, burgers, sandwiches, salads, chicken, turkey legs, you name it. And there are a series of different kind of huts, I suppose, kiosks with a big yeah. seating area outside that you can go and sit. And I really, I do really like sitting here in the evening getting something to eat. And you sit there as the sun comes down as you get ready to go and watch Fantasmic. It's kind of one of those things that's become a little bit of a tradition by accident, I suppose. Well, I want a quick um, input from Brent here. What do you think of turkey legs? You know, I've never had them. I used to work as a custodian on my college program. Um, and I worked right by the turkey leg spot in Magic Kingdom. And I would have to, you know, pe people would take like five bites and throw into the trash. So I'd be picking up these these liners of trash cans with all these turkey legs inside. And the smell just got to me. I've never been interested in eating them. Now you see, I've never eaten them just because they look disgusting. So... They do look disgusting <laughs> too. But. Like um, the thing is, it's it's one of these like major things that they've they've even got an air freshener about them, and like everyone goes, oh, you got to go and try the turkey legs, and everyone I've spoken to that's had the turkey legs or has been in close contact with the turkey legs, yeah. don't want any turkey legs. No, I'm not surprised. I'm gonna Let, try one. We're, we're gonna get some sort of. Uh some sort of reputation for talking about turkey legs if we're not careful. Right, before we talk about the evening entertainment, Alan, do you want to just mention um, briefly about the special event that's going to be going on sort of summer months-ish this year at, well, at uh, Hollywood Studios? As in my specialist subject? Your specialist subject, yeah. Yeah, Star Wars Weekends is coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios. And if you're looking to be going out... I there, can't wait. Are you going to be heading to this? Are you going to be having a look? Um, I'm doing a very special um, touring plan for Disney's Hollywood Studios on that day, and that is avoiding it like the plague. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm going to give you a quick line-up. Um, what they do at Star Wars Weekends, they've got um, celebrity Star Wars-related guests mm -hmm. turn up, and they turn up over what they call on the weekend, which is usually the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
And a quick rundown is on May 15th to the 17th, you've got Ian McDermott, who's Emperor Palpatine. Patine. Yeah. No idea who that is. <laughs> you've got Amy Allen, alias Secura. Pass. Have you ever heard of any of these people? <laughs> yes, all of them. Sabine Wren, whoever that is. Um, on the on May 22nd to the 24th, you've got Warwick Davis, who was Wald, Wicket, Warwick Davis, Junior. Wicket, yeah, W Warwick. Willow, yeah. anything that begins with W, basically. He was in Gringotts yeah. in Harry Potter. <laughs> That's not related, but go on. Um, you've got um, Silas Carson. Kiadi Mundi. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I was going to say something totally different. Um, you've got Vanessa Marshall, who's Hero something. Cinderella. Yeah, keep going. Yep. Warwick Davis um, is back then, the following weekend. <laughs> yeah, Warwick's always there. Warwick is Warwick's, he's one of the few Star Wars people that I know of, one. And two, he is always at Star Wars weekends. And I've met Warwick Davis and I've interviewed and spoken to Warwick Davis and he is a genuinely lovely man as well. Oh. There you go. So that's May 29th to 31st. Do you want me to do the others? Go on then, because you might okay, know some we've got Daniel people. Logan, who plays Boba Fett, he'll be there. And Stephen Bloom, who plays Zeb Ori, Ori Leos, I think it is how you say it. But then, you can't even say that. Yeah, I can. Then June the 5th to the 7th, you've got Ray Park, who plays Darth Maul. Um, you've got uh, Jeremy Bullock again, who plays Boba Fett. And Ashley Eckstein, who plays uh, Ahsoka Tano. Then is Ray on- Park afraid of no ghost? Possibly. No, not that one. And then this would be the weekend I would be there without a shadow of a doubt. June 12th to 14th, you got Frank Oz, who is of Yoda fame and Muppets folklore. You've got Ray Park, who plays Darth Maul, Peter Mayhew, who's Chewbacca, and Taylor Gray, who's Edra, Ezra Bridger, who are going to be there. That would be my weekend without a shadow of a doubt if I was going to anyone. Are you going to this, Brent, this year? I am. I go every year. And which weekend are you going, or are you going every weekend? I usually go every weekend. Okay, fair enough. Any any on the lineup there you're particularly excited about? I'm sorry, what was that? Is there any on the lineup there that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, you know what? I, I usually I, I've never camped out for people until last year. I, I camped out for one of the celebrities, but this year I think I'm gonna be camping out for Frank Oz for sure. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. That'd yeah. be amazing uh, just to meet him. Again, one of the few people I've actually heard of. There we go. Well, yeah, because of his Muppets fame. But there's loads of stuff that goes on during the event. Um, you've got the Star Trooper welcome that they do every morning. You've got your autograph sessions that um, Brent's just talked about. They have the Legends of the Force motorcade. They have Stars of the Saga talk shows. They have the Jedi Training Academy that goes on. They had Behind the Force last year. Now, I don't know whether that's going to happen again because that used to be at the Premier Theatre and they had some Obi-Wan stuff. They have some certain special talks and things like that that go on. Um, I'm not entirely sure as to what they're going to do with that with the changeover in venue for um, the uh, the Frozen show that's going to the old yeah. American Idol Theatre and whether or not they're going to use the Premier Theatre or whether it's going to be knocked down because I know they're in the process of building a new one in between um, Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster. Um You've then got, they usually do some sort of dance party in the evening, which is ridiculous, but brilliant at exactly the same time. Uh, I'm going to say that the last year's dance show, although I'm not really into Star Wars, they didn't really do it as a dance show. No, it was very different last year, but I believe the dance show's back again this year, and I'm hoping they're going to get Darth Vader doing Michael Jackson again, which would be brilliant. 
And then they have a special evening fireworks event, which is called Symphony in the Stars, which I believe is happening again this year. And that happens over the sort of central part of the park. And that kind of segues us nicely into uh, evening events at Hollywood Studios. Um, because there's kind of two evening events that you will experience this summer. The first one is the frozen fireworks that happen in the evening. And the other one is Fantasmic, which we'll talk about last. The frozen fireworks are quite frankly pretty good you know what they're pretty good and bear in mind that again this was a last minute thought about throwing frozen into the box and what they were going to do with it i was really impressed with the quality of the show actually and with the fireworks and one of the really nice things they did last year and i don't know what they're doing again this year is with olaf and you could pick up your own olaf and take it around the parks and you could take a photo of you with olaf and as part of the show, they would put images on the screen of you in the park during the day. And Harry ended up on the big screen and was um, like absolutely amazed. It was the best thing that happened all day that he'd found seen himself on the on the screen with his Olaf and, and all of his stuff, uh, which was brilliant. And it's it's actually a fireworks show that's well worth seeing. I think, you know, it's not by any stretch of the imagination a wishes or an illuminations, but I still think it's a really good show and well worth seeing. I've got a question, though. Go on. It was heavily... Put around a stage that was in front of the sorcerer's hat. Mm. Is the stage going to be still there? I would think the stage the will, will be able to go gone. back up again. Yeah, because it wasn't the stage wasn't connected in any way to the sorcerer's hat. Right. So I don't think it's an issue that um, it's now there's now no space for it. There's still his. So I suppose they could push it a bit further back so there's a, a bit more room for it. So um, yeah, I just remember—I remember that they were in the way of the fireworks. The stage was. Yeah, yeah, no, they'd be fine. I'm sure it would be absolutely fine. Um, and that brings us on to the very final thing in the part that we haven't talked about, and this is Fantasmic. And I purposely left Fantasmic to the end because this is my favourite evening show in the whole of Walt Disney World. Um, if I don't see any other evening show while I'm there, Fantasmic is the one that I have to go and see. It's about half an hour long. It delves into Mickey's imagination and Mickey's dreams, and it talks all about this idea of um, the villains trying to turn Mickey's dreams into nightmares. And it's done on its own stage in an amphitheater that I think, if I remember rightly, seats somewhere around 10,000 people, uh, often performed twice nightly. Um, the music's amazing. The, um, the visual effects are very clever. Uh, there's the fireworks. There's the, the projection on the water screens. I could go on and on about this show. It is just truly stunning, and it is a, it is one that I would queue for again and again and again if I needed to. Yeah, it's a great yeah, show. I've, you've got you've got to agree. It is a fantastic show. The kids love it, um, and if you get a seat right near the front, which you know you'd be quite lucky to do that, um, but it's slightly windy. There is a scene on it where there's a a big whale splashes in the water and makes a big splash and if the wind's blowing in the right or wrong direction you get soaked it's like oh look at that ah oh, oh i'm soaking with that and i there's been a lot of criticism recently about this new pre-show that comes in before that they've created this kind of very disney channel style pre-show as people are coming into the theater but you know what i don't mind it and i think actually it's a really great addition because otherwise you're sat in the theater and there's nothing to do um, yeah so as much as it's all cheery and clappy and there's it's a game show style idea, I just think it's quite nice and a little bit different and keeps people entertained. Yeah. yeah my, my biggest downside of it all, I think, is although it does seat a lot of people, it fills out. 
it totally fills out. And I've quite often been in the position where I'm standing on the back row next to the the lifts that are operating the spotlights. And it's it's not the best place for... You get a good view, but you're having to stand on a little step. Hmm. Um, it's, it's definitely worthwhile getting there really so you've got a seat. Yeah. Um, but you're in a position this time that you're going to get to uh, go in nice and early, aren't you? And choose your seat and... Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that's going to happen. One, one of the weird things about the, the Phantasmic Diamond package is you can go for a, like a two o'clock meal mm. and get the Phantasmic ticket for 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, indeed. We can. That's true. And uh, if you are thinking about getting a fast pass for Phantasmic, um, I'll be honest with you, we used it and we still had to, if you were going to use it properly, you still had to wait a good length of time before you got in. Um, so it didn't necessarily save that much time. And also, if you still want to get one, don't get one early. We found there were, and it was on a busy day as well. We found that there were still fast passes for Fantasmic closer to the evening event once you did all the other attractions anyway. So it's it's not something you need to panic about too much, I don't think. Brent, is there anything else you want to add about Fantasmic? Um, not that I can really think of. I mean, it's a great show. If you if you if there are two. Uh, showings, make sure you do the second show. Yeah. Uh, what I usually do is I'll go hop on Toy Story for a few times and then get the second show. But like you said, you, you I mean, you don't really need a fast pass for it. No. Um, but it, it's it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Right, we're going to take a very, very quick break. We shall be back in a second. We want to talk about fast pass choices. So what would we choose if we had to choose our fast passes for this particular park? We'll be back in two seconds. For the past 10 years, Orlando attraction tickets have been providing the UK with cheap Disney tickets for Walt Disney World and the surrounding Orlando attractions. With a low deposit scheme of just £10 per person, you can book your tickets in advance knowing you're in good hands. Orlando attraction tickets are the only ticket company to allow you to pay your balance off in instalments online and with no credit or debit card fees, free UK sign for delivery and you are fed FastPass Plus enabled tickets now shipping. There is no other choice for your Orlando ticketing needs than Orlando attraction tickets. Visit www.orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845 226 8523. That's orlandoattractiontickets.co.uk or call 0845 226-8523 Hey, I have the best kept Disney World and Universal Studios vacation secret. Did you know that anyone can rent a sweet ride and truly get around fast with your pass inside the theme parks? Mom, tell them. Well, Scooter Vacations makes it fun all day long. You or someone you love deserves the best way to see everything. So why not relax and enjoy a true express ride with your pass? Scooter Vacations can arrange it and even deliver it to you. Get around the fun way? Have as much fun getting from ride to ride as being on the ride? They fit on buses, boats, and monorails. Some can fit in a car trunk. Upgrade your experience and scoot everywhere. Contact Scooter Vacations at 1-855-WDW-SCOOT. That's 1-855-WDW-SCOOT or on the web at scootorlando.com. That's S-C-O-O-T, 
scottorlando.com. S-C-O-O-T, orlando.com. This is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and when I'm in Britain, I listen to the Disney Brit Podcast. Right then, we are still talking about Disney Hollywood Studios, and we're on to talking about Fast Passes. And we want to give you some suggestions on, if you haven't booked your Fast Passes yet, which Fast Passes you might want to go for. But to give you an idea of how this works, with regards to Fast Passes, there are two groups that you can choose from. When you book your initial three, you can book one Fast Pass from Group A, and then two others from Group B. So you've got Great Movie Ride, Toy Story Mania, uh, Beauty and the Beast live on stage, Fantasmic and Rock and Roller Coaster, which you group A, you can choose one from. And then Disney Junior, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, Indiana Jones, Star Tours, um, the Comedy Warehouse Holiday Special, if it's on when you're there, is part of it. The First Time in Forever Frozen Sing-Along, uh, Lights, Motors Action, Muppet Vision 3D, um, Star Wars Presentations again, if they're on, and also the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So we're going to talk about which three we would uh, fast pass. While we're thinking about that, we're going to head over to Alicia. She's going to tell us what she thinks you should do. Hi, this is Alicia from Pixie Vacations, giving you some picks for Hollywood Studios for your Fast Pass Plus. For Tier 1, if uh, you have young and old in your group, my top pick is Toy Story Midway Mania. The lines are always long there, all day long, so this is a great use of your Fast Pass Plus. If you have thrill seekers in the group, however, then Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster is definitely my recommendation for your Tier 1 pick. For Tier 2 picks, I would definitely recommend the Star Tours and Tower of Terror. I think these are both great picks. I always recommend to stay away from the shows as far as Fast Pass picks because they have a huge way to accommodate large crowds and you really don't need to use your fast passes and as always i recommend uh early afternoon or evening for your fast pass picks since the lines are really short in the morning so get to those parks early there you go there uh, alicia's uh, suggestions so uh alan what have you yes. gone for for hollywood studios okay well obviously being, being the lead member of our party, yep. and I've got a, the choice of making the bookings, I had the choice of Rock and Roller Coaster or Toy Story Mania. Yeah. So obviously we chose Toy Story yep. Mania. Yeah, fair enough. Because uh, that's quite extreme for me. Um, also, the next next round, I originally got um, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which yep. I've then swapped out for this Frozen show. Yeah. Because obviously I've heard that's going to be ridiculous. Um, and also, I've gone for Star Tours. Okay. Because I've noticed that, that queue's been quite busy. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, Brent, what for your usual trip, if it's a busy park, what would your three Fast Pass choices be? Um, easily Toy Story Midway Mania yeah. for the uh, the one tier. And then for the other one, I, I would actually probably have to go with Star Tours and Tower of Terror as well. Um, the, the other ones, I mean... They're mainly shows, so if you have little girls in the audience or Alan, uh, make sure you do Frozen Sing Along. But I, because out of the other shows, I would say that's probably the one that is the busiest. But besides that, I mean, the, the picks, a lot of these attractions, I feel like, don't really need fast passes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I've not been to. I was going to say, I've been to Muppet Vision before. And Muppet Vision, even when the show's loading in, you can. Well, it used to be that you'd be able to walk straight in and have a choice of seats. Hmm. I don't know if it's got busier because of the Fast Pass Plus or not. Not particularly. Uh, a little bit, but not much. And so, lights, lights, motor action has got a crazy, action, crazy amount of um, occupancy. Yeah, a massive amount of occupancy. I think you know, for me, top three picks. I'm with you. Toy Story Midway Mania for my Group A or Tier One, as as Alicia calls them. My Group A would definitely be Toy Story Midway Mania, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and my group, my, my second group um, is going to be. I'm going to put Star Tours in there, and the reason I'm going to put Star Tours in is it's one of those attractions not the whole of my family would do. So it's something that we can do nice and quick without taking up too much of other people's time. And my mm-hmm. second pick also is going to be Twilight Zone Tower of Terror for exactly the same reason. It's an attraction that everybody in my party would want to necessarily do. So that would cut down those wait times. And again, like you say, a lot of the other Group B stuff, you don't really need a Fast Pass for. Indiana Jones is a massive capacity. Voyage doesn't really need it. Disney Junior doesn't need it massively. Um, I think if we were Frozen fans, we might have gone for the Frozen sing-along like you've done, Alan. But other than that, I, I don't think I would have bothered. So... There's yep. some food for thought, depending on what your group's makeup is, um, with regards to that. But that's um, that's a pretty comprehensive tour of Hollywood Studios, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And as Adam said to me before we started recording this, it's going to be a short show because yeah, there isn't many attractions. Many attractions but and actually, we've ended up talking probably more about again. this than we have necessarily the other parks, which is uh, which is pretty good. I'm not complaining. It's fine. Hopefully, you found that really, really useful. Uh, so what we've been doing is the tradition is we've been playing a piece of music at the end of the show to play us out from each park. So today we're going with this one. So there we go. It is the end of the show. We want to thank you for joining us. We want to say a massive thank you to Brent for joining us for this mammoth show. Thank you for having me. And uh, do you want to just remind everybody uh, where we can find you? Uh, over at from screen to theme.com and then also I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all that fun stuff as okay. well and you can find about the podcast, you can find about the books and all those bits and pieces we'd say uh, yep. a massive thank you to our sponsors scootorlando.com for scooter vacations and of course Orlando attraction tickets.co.uk uh, do go and visit both of those and we need to say a massive thank you to Alicia who is from I forget Alan oh, how terrible Pixie is that? Vacations from Pixie Vacations you can of course go to Pixie Vacations and find out more from Alicia too um, we have got one more of our park overviews to do the next episode we're going to be looking at Epcot now if this took us two hours I dread to think what Epcot's going to take us but it's fine so we're going to be talking about Epcot and doing an overview of uh, that particular park but uh, in the meantime if you want to find out more about us find out what's uh, going on in the Disney universe you can go to DisneyBrit.com find out all the latest news and rumours that's going on with not only Walt Disney World but Disneyland Paris as well you can go to facebook.com forward slash Podcast and go to at DisneyBrit on Twitter you'll find us there as well if you want to email us with any comments questions suggestions anything of that nature do of course email us radio at DisneyBrit.com and we will uh, do our make you know do our hardest to read those out or maybe come up with some sort of segment for a future show you might be interested in last couple of things uh, don't forget there is currently still a uh, Disney great Disney Rick cook-off recipe on the website you can go and join in and there are still polls live for the ultimate Disney attraction which will be coming back once we've done these particular shows 
And uh, on top of that, if you want to join the Disney Brit running team for the inaugural Disneyland Paris half marathon, then you can go to DisneyBrit.com forward slash DBRT and join in there. It looks like we have now got the charity that we're going to be running for and we'll be announcing that very, very shortly. Um, I think that's everything, isn't it, Alan? Yeah, sounds about right. Excellent. Well, in that case, we will leave you with the final music from Fantasmic. Until next week, we'll see you.